Okay, let's try this again. Uh-huh. Why did it... Okay. <clears throat> Welcome. Welcome to the Live and Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Cooper. I'm David G. And I'm Parker Johnson. If you live for the good moments... And learn from the bad... You're in the right place. Welcome to the Live and Learn Podcast. This is the Live and Learn Podcast. This is the Live and Learn Podcast. This is the Live and Learn Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Today we have very special guest, Parker Johnson here. Good to be here. And we will be discussing uh, hobbies, passions, and kind of the intersectionality of those with our work life. And I was saying earlier how it's kind of, it's a lot of people's dreams to, you know, pursue their hobby or passion as a career or, you know, a way of life to survive. Um, people selling their products on Instagram is a big thing. Uh, we talked about that on a previous episode. Um, and we all have our hobbies. I am into music. You're into music. Yeah. You do video audio. And then Parker has his various hobbies. Um, why don't we just go right into that again and tell us a little bit, I guess, about yourself and then what some of your hobbies are and how you incorporate them in your in your life. Sure, yeah. Um, I guess I would um, split it into two categories or two main hobbies in my life. Um, one of it is kendama. This is ball and cup toy from Japan. That's a huge part of my life. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge section. Um, and then the other section would be uh, video production and video audio, filmmaking. And um, Kendama definitely intertwines with that, but that's my other passion that is. So uh, can you explain to people what Kendama is for those who might not know? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you so have one with you? I do not have one with me. Not <gasps> without his Yes, wow. it's bad. It's bad. I usually, well, I have, I bring my backpack a lot uh, of places, and I didn't bring my backpack here today, and I always have one in there. So I'm not, yeah. I don't have, like, one in my pocket. Yeah. Or just, like, <laughs> but I should have brought one. Mm -hmm. But it's this, uh, Kidama is a ball and cup toy from Japan. It started out as a drinking game um, mm. 200 years ago, yeah. where you try, you would drink each time you missed the cup. And wow. it became an actual thing in during World War II, um, or right directly after. And they implemented it into schools in Japan and became a very important thing. Japan, in Japan, it's a huge, like, actual, like, thing, like yeah. karate. And it's taught in all schools. Um, it's part of the curriculum of, like, teaching patience. Um, of teaching patience? Teaching patience. Oh, patience. Patience. Not, okay. <laughs> not patience, like, in hospitals. <laughs> Okay, okay. Patients and like um, they give a kendama to every hospital patient. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, th it's huge there. But it's a ball and cup toy. It has three cups, a ball, and a spike, and so it's just uh, hand-eye coordination mm -hmm. skill toy. Uh, See, I I've like heard of those and I've like seen them here and there, but I never knew they were actually such a big thing where you could get sponsored for them. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think so that you could until I mean until like a year in I was like oh wow mm -hmm. you can like. How do you even find that out? Because, like, I figure you're probably in the same, like, boat that we're in right now. It's like, oh, you know, this is a fun thing I do here and there. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I got started with my good friend Luke, and we were in his high school class together. And I thought it was really dumb, really stupid. He'd bring it into class every day, and I was like, that's dumb. And I was very <laughs> against it. 
And I went over to his house, and there was this trick list, and I'm a very competitive person, so I was uh -huh. like, i got to get this trick. And there's yeah. jumping stick, earth turn, these different tricks that are very yeah. integral to the skill toy. Kendama. The core, core tricks. Core tricks, just yeah. like a kickflip is to a skateboard. Okay. Um, and so I didn't get the trick by the end of the night, and I had to go home. And I was like, oh, I was actually super bummed. I yeah. was like mm -hmm. really bummed. And Luke was like, he could tell I was like really sad. I was like, yeah. I have to wait three days to play because I'm not <laughs> seeing him for another three days. And then he was like, all right, here you go. Like, jam. Here's this kendama. Yep. Go home and get this trick. And then like the whole weekend, I was like, bam, 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 bam. Like I just got, I, I looked at the trick list and I got jumping stick two hours later when I was home. And I was just like practicing, practicing, practicing. Got it. And I was like, oh, what next? So the, it had like 20 tricks on this trick list. So I just was like checklist. It was like. I could do yep. all of them. And then I got to school on Monday and I completed all the tricks. Yeah. And I was like, all right. All in a weekend. I was like, I, what, do I, what do I do now? And Luke was like, oh my God. Like, I don't even know what to do. And then turns out there's a Ken club like really close to our house. Every Saturday they met. And that was, it was, it started like three weeks before I started Kendama. So it was like this crazy like coincidence. Mm -hmm. and so every Saturday we would go there. And right when summer started for us, it was just me and Luke would go and bike around town and film tricks. Yeah. Um, wow. So you guys were like dead ass, like skateboarders. Yeah. Oh, like 100%. 100%. It was like replacing <laughs> skateboard with Kendama. And that's what uh, we were. We were just yeah. like filming, filming, filming. That's actually super sick. Yeah. It's like. And we, I didn't think anything of it. I was just having fun. And to yeah. document that you actually got a trick, you had to yeah. film it. Just like in skateboarding, like yeah. to tell, if you told people, like, I got this, they wouldn't believe you. Pixar didn't happen. Yes, exactly. And so within that community, it was just yeah. like very important. And so that we had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. And during that, um, that year, we made this group called the Kenda Bros. Me and my friends, we, like, it was just a group name. And we would go around town filming, making edits. We make YouTube edits. It was really fun. And then, Come July of 2015, this is a long time ago, 2015, Sweet Skandamas, the local company, they yep. were like, here is a sponsorship opportunity. We're going to have you send in a clip or send in a, an edit, and we'll see if you can get sponsored. So how did they get in contact with you? They, so they had, they put it on their Instagram. Okay. So, so I just saw it, and I was like, oh, I'll apply. And there was, I think there was 400 entries, and I was like, very, it was a, a lot of imposter syndrome of like, mm -hmm. I don't belong here. Yeah. Or like, all these people are so much better than me. And yeah. I was like, I was the, I'm still the biggest critic of myself. So like everything yeah. I do, like, ah, and when I turned in that video, I was like, I should have done better. These yeah. tricks are so good. Done yeah. this trick. And then like a week later after I submitted it, I got notified that I was a round two. So they, so they accepted 15 people to go to round two to get the sponsorships. It's like, oh, yeah. great. So I like filmed so much for this edit. It was like a big, oh my, that summer, it was like every day I would go outside, get my GoPro, put it on the stool. I'll bring my stool out there, put it on, set it, record, and then just like, it would, I would have an idea for a Kendama trick. So one of the tricks that I laced that was like, probably still my hardest trick I've ever done yeah. was called the around the border flip, which it's just a very hard trick. I, yeah, I, it's yeah. very hard. And I remember, vividly remember that summer, I was just like, I would set it up and just try that trick. Mm -hmm. Like for hours. It was, like, it was like a trick shot video. Yeah, literally it's like trying until you get it. Yeah. And you know, oh, yeah. learning and it was from just, the failures. Every day it was like, 
it took me, I think, nine total days of two hours each day of just yeah. filming, filming, filming. Why do you want to keep doing it? Why did I, why did I want to? Yeah. Because I really wanted that sponsorship. I really yeah. wanted that, like, uh -huh. because uh, it just puts you over, like, it's like um, name recognition. Yeah. Um, being so able, he's trying to get some clout. For sure. Oh, I was <laughs> I was hungry for that back then. I really wanted that. Um, and so I didn't really know what sponsorship meant except yeah. for name recognition. Yeah. I was like, I'm doing this. So then I submitted it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a text message that from Sweets. I opened my phone and I said, from Sweets, who's the guy in charge of Sweets Kadamas? Mm -hmm. And it was a Facebook thing. And literally the first thing is, do not tell anybody about this or I was like, oh, yeah. wow. Confidential. I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. So I open my phone. I look at it, and it says, please do not tell anybody about this. Yeah. Parker, your edit was one of the coolest videos I've ever seen. The tricks were insane. But you didn't make it. We're going to put you on the team below the team you were going to be on. So they made a team called uh -huh. the Focus Team. And that was the team. So they had... They Wait, was, so what was the A team called? The, okay, there was... <laughs> at the time, there was A, B, and C. Uh -huh. A was the pro team. Uh -huh. They're the best. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, they're the best. B <laughs> was the homegrown team. Or at the time, the CKG team. Okay. They were like, oh yeah, they were like good. Mm -hmm. Like everybody knew them, but they weren't pro level. Pro pro level, you get a your own kendama. And that's like the big like thing. Like your own skin. Own skin or like your own skateboard. Oh, like you get to design yeah. it? You get to design it. Oh, that's it. super that's sick. That's what pros get. But homegrown players don't mm. get it. Uh -huh. And so I got to the focus team. So I was two levels below pro. But so I you was were like, C team. I was C team. Mm. And I was like, I got on with another 10 people. So it was yeah. me, 10 others on the focus team. Okay. And then about like eight others on the homegrown team. And then like five on the pro team. So it was like kind of a pyramid almost. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess that's my Well, what did to, each uh, group do? Like, you know, what, like, truly differentiated them as far as, like, the company goes? Honestly, not much. Yeah. No, I mean, the, pro, the pros, they just had that. They've been playing for so much longer. Yeah. Um, and they just had their own kendama. So, like, uh -huh. Sweets, the owner, he had his own kendama. And this was back in 2015. There was the, um, who else was it? Uh, Wase. He's this guy from Romania. He had, he had his own. And they released these pro models back in 2015, and they were just, like, solid colors. Mm -hmm. There's this guy, William Penniman, who's been playing for years. He played till he started in 2010, and he was the first pro. And Christian Frazier. Anyway, I could keep going on these <laughs> names. But uh, it was a practically a legacy or um, the amount of time they were on the team. Yeah. That made them pro. Okay. And so then whenever they went to events, people knew, oh, that's Christian Frazier. Yeah. Yo. And then homegrown, it was like they're newer, but they're yeah. also pretty good. Mm -hmm. The rising stars. The rising stars. And then focus, it's like they're like I have only been playing for a year. Yeah. And so I was like in over my head for mm -hmm. almost everything. Um, and so then I got on the team and I was like the young gun. And they, everybody had a purpose on the team why they were sponsored. Because, I mean, the end goal for the company is to make money off mm -hmm. these players. Sell more Sell condoms. more condoms. Yeah. And my inherent goal for the company was to be good in competitions because my tricks were very hard. Mm -hmm. So back then that was my um, my purpose on the team yeah. was to like go to competitions and absolutely crush it. So you were the trick shot guy. I was a trick shot guy. And okay. I was also the skilled player. But then yeah. there was Cooper Eddie who was yeah. also a skilled player but he was very good at editing and video stuff. Okay. So he was that guy. There's this guy Ocean 
who was really good at freestyle. He could just like whip out these crazy lines. I couldn't do it, but mm -hmm. I could do harder, technic technically harder tricks. And um, you were kind of designing your own. Is so. We'll go back to the skateboard analogy. They do like lines of tricks. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like you'd be designing your own lines of tricks with the kendama. Yeah. So it would be very well thought out, and I, I like to think of it like. Um, if we're talking about skateboard analogies, I would think more mm -hmm. if, if you know Rodney Mullen, he's a very, his skateboard tricks are very like one trick, mm -hmm. like a crazy 540 flip to upside down night slide. I don't even know these names, but <laughs> there's just like a crazy individual trick. Yeah. Um, but then some other players, they go like they do lines. They like do like a 30 second video of them skateboarding and doing mm -hmm. a manual, yeah. doing a kickflip, grind. And that's not my style of mm -hmm. kendama per se. Mine is yeah. like a banger, just mm -hmm. like a two-second clip. Uh -huh. And okay, uh, so don't don't get too big of a head when I say this, but uh, I actually recently listened to an interview with uh, Tony Hawk. Wow. He like kind of mentions a very like similar thing as far as like what he was going for in his mm. like heyday when he was like younger around his like I think it was like seventeen to like twenty four. Sure. He was like he was the very big like trick shot guy. Mm -hmm. He wanted to like you know do the like craziest like wildest uh, tricks that weren't necessarily like skilled based stuff. You know just because they were flashy. Sure. And he was confident other people couldn't do them like you know as easily mm. as he could. So, you know, that, that's a big reason why he caught a lot of, like, attention is because he did those super flashy tricks, and I just, like, hearken that back to you, you know, and trying to, like, just go outside the box and, like, you know, do these things that, you know, other people would be kind of intimidated to do, so. Yeah, yeah uh, I guess the big thing was when I wanted to get sponsored, yeah. that was my strategy, was, like, I know I'm not as flowy as this guy. I yeah. know I'm not as technically skilled as at at Kendama as this guy. Yeah. But if I do a trick that nobody's seen, if I'm creative yeah. with things. Set yourself apart. Set myself apart, I at least think I have a chance mm -hmm. and uh, and get rid of my imposter syndrome a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Or like set that aside. And when I submitted my round two, mm -hmm. I still had the same thoughts. Like, oh mine was the worst. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. How overinflated is your ego? Overinflated? Yeah. I would say, uh, as of recent, it's gone mu further down. Further down, really? Oh, for sure. And my ego, uh, definitely when I got that news of like, oh, like you're, um, your you're sponsor in. now, yeah. mm -hmm. it was definitely like a definitely hit to my yeah. ego. Like, yeah. ah, like my, um, my, I wouldn't say my self-confidence was low. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was just the imposter syndrome of yeah. like, I'm just a huge critic of myself. Uh -huh. And when I was like that, I was always like yeah. that. And then when you finally get that achievement mm. of like, oh, I'm on this team with these amazing players. Yeah. It's like, oh, I feel very grateful. But it's also like, oh, like my skills are actually met with. And so that was like, I was young. I was mm -hmm. 16 at the time. Yeah. And so like when that happened, I got that news. It was very, the ego was very much fed yeah but after a lot of years yeah um you just go you, you, you gain a lot of experiences mm -hmm. that are much more that humble you i that, i hear you there and like the reason why i ask is just because um in uh you know competitive sports like that you mm -hmm. know you are like you know a couple against a bunch of other people and you have sure. to prove that you are better than these people and it's like it's competitive you know you have mm -hmm. to 
uh, prove to either judges or to a large, you know, group of people that what I'm doing is subjectively better than that person. Um, and a lot of that comes down to like ego, like, you know, forcing yourself like, you know, okay, um, I have to do something or I have to learn something that puts me a cut above the rest. Uh, or you're going to work that much harder and exactly, that much longer exactly. at things. You know, like a, a very uh, Kobe mentality, you know, if yeah. you will. Because uh, uh, he, he was the best, you know, in his um, era of basketball. Uh, so much to the point where people didn't fucking like him because yeah. he was super competitive. If you weren't playing the game his way, he was upset. You know, mm -hmm. like if you didn't meet his standards... You're losing. Even if you're winning, if you didn't meet his standards to win, if you didn't lost. win good enough, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that, that's like that's a yeah. real thing. Like he was really like that. But um, I really do like the mention that you. I really do like the fact that you mentioned you kind of like petered out over time. You know, as you mm -hmm. like learn more and more, because I think at a certain point you realize um, everyone else around you isn't necessarily your competition. The only competition is yourself. Yeah. You know, you're trying to be a better yeah. and better version of yourself every day, mm. you know, um, overachieve yourself, you know, just improve. Yeah. Uh, so like when, when did that hit for you? It was, uh, it was definitely gradual. Like yeah. when I was younger, I was super competitive. Mm -hmm. Like it was, uh, I mean, with like almost everything, like I think of just like, I mean, Kendama, very easy to quantify. Like, yeah. I can do this trick, you can't. Yeah. In sports, very easy to quantify. I can do this. I can get more points. Than I can you get know. more points. And I was super competitive in mm -hmm. uh, physical education, all that. Yeah. Sports. And then with classes, too, it was just like, I got to get this GPA. And then thinking, like, oh, I got to get into this college. Were you like one of those guys who was always turning in the test first? No, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't like, no. I didn't. I didn't want to, I mean, looking back on it, I did not want to, like, portray myself as, like, yeah. oh, I'm better than you. Yeah. Or You got to stay humble, In definitely. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, back then, I wanted to portray it. But looking back, I was like, oh, I was so competitive on uh -huh. what I wanted to do. And, I mean, like, I wanted to be, I wanted to get good grades on my, mm -hmm. whatever, and then get into nice colleges. And then as I got into the team, I was competitive. I wanted to win. And then when I didn't win my first competition, it was a month after I got sponsored. It was my first competition here in Minnesota at the Mall of America. Um, I didn't do too well. I actually, I lost the second round and there's a total of nine rounds. And so I lost pretty early. Yeah. And that was not good because Sweets was very, he was accounting on me and I yeah. felt this like weight. Yeah. Of, like you let down the team. Oh, for sure. And I didn't know the team that well that, that yet. So I was really down that weekend. And then a couple months later, I had another competition in Nashville. Went there, didn't do well. It felt very bad. And I still didn't really know the team, but we were starting to bond. Yeah. We were starting to get to know each other. And then they invited me out to Japan uh, for the World Cup. Yeah, back tell in, us about that. Back in 2016. Wow. So that was, so I had this competition in, so got sponsored in October of 2015 and then November of 2015 I had my first competition second competition was January and then uh, they flew me out to Japan in 2016 and then and to get into that flight was or to get on that um, was hard because I yeah. couldn't afford it because yeah. I was like 16 oh the trip wasn't like paid for the thing was is that uh, everybody else 
on the team because they were a lot older, they could pay for it. And so they could pay. And then Sweets, Sweets was also a young company at the time, so they couldn't mm-hmm. yeah, fly people out to Japan. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Japan's different. Like, yeah. they could fly people out to Minnesota or Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville. Easy but, I mean, Japan's big. And International travel. Yeah. A lot. And it's a long time. And so they had this competition. They were like, all right, it, within the Sweets team, we're going to see who can uh, get the highest score. Whoever cannot pay for their trip, we're going to see who can get the highest score in the World Cup scoring list. And it, how to score in the World Cup is a little complicated, but... Um, oh, that, that's another thing. Can you, like, tell us, like, uh, the grading system or, like, the point system as far as, like, what these judges are looking at and how they're yeah. going to, um, you know, give you points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for most events here in North America, it's all horse. It's like uh, if you played horse in basketball. Okay, yeah. Same thing, where it's just you land a trick, the other person has to do it. If they miss, you get, they get a letter. Or you get a letter. However you want to score it. Yeah. But in Japan, I like it a lot better. The World Cup is my favorite competition of a ball. It's, it, it mixes the skill and, uh, uh, and like freestyle. Yeah. And so it's kind of complicated, but you've got two waves. For, there's two two there's the pre qualifiers and then there's the finals. Yeah. So this is the I'm gonna go through the qualifier pre qualifiers. Okay. There's two rounds. There's two levels. Two waves. Let's say. Each wave you've got five tricks total. You can do five tricks per wave. So ten tricks total, five tricks per wave, and you get to pick tricks from a trick list that you are given. And so these the trick list that you're given is a ten by ten trick list. So 100 total tricks. Mm-hmm. Each level has 10 tricks. And the further you go down the levels, the harder they get. Okay. Um, and so the pre-qualifiers, you can choose up to 10. And so you can do literally all level 10 tricks and then get 100 points for your pre-qualifying. But that would be really hard because level 10s are very hard. Yeah. And so you might mix an 8, 9, 10, a 7, maybe two level 10s are easy. So you'll do the, or easier. So you'll do mm-hmm. those. Um Oh, so it's like um, based on this like uh, uh, rating scale, you know, if you complete these, you get the points for it. If you fail them, you don't get the points for it. Am I getting that right? Yes. If you don't get the trick within the, and each wave has uh, three minutes, three minutes to complete five tricks. Yeah. And so you've got three minutes to complete those five tricks. If you miss, if you don't get one of the tricks, you just don't get those points. Yeah. Um, And once you submit the tricks, you can't change them. You got to stick to. Um, you have to stick to those. Shows. Yeah, the five per wave, and so you have over the total thing. You've got uh, six minutes to do ten tricks, um, and so that's the pre-qualifying. The finals, they use the same ten by ten, but each trick you do on stage, they square it. And so, let's say you do a level ten, that's a hundred points. Level nine, eighty-one. Level eight, sixty-four. And so, the higher you go. The exp- there's ex- exponential yeah. amount of points that you can do. And so um, there's kind of a strategy. and You've got three minutes to do yeah. whatever you want. You could do level four. You could do level, I mean, mm-hmm. 10. And you could do, and it's, you get three minutes to do that. And so. Uh, I mean, it kind of sounds to me like it's like go big or go home. Go here. big, yeah. Like, I did you, during that competition, did you ever, like, see people who, you know, were, like, really pro where, you know, they are completing level, like, you know, 9, level 10 tricks? Oh, yeah. You know, and um, uh, how do I want to phrase this? It's just, uh, and, uh, you know, 
there were other people just that couldn't keep up with them. Yeah. I would say uh, during that 2016 finals or that yeah. KWC, there's probably uh, 15 people that were like, wow, like, mm -hmm. you've got this. Like, they yeah. can do these tricks. And level 10s, there was always that, like, there was, like, three tricks that was just, like, there were the tricks, there were certain tricks that everybody could do or uh -huh. that were, like, nobody can do that trick. Like, yeah. that's just so hard. Yeah. There was, like, a huge gap because people submitted them. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't, like, a, an official made them. It was, like, oh, I'll submit this trick. And let's say a quint turntable. Let's submit that one. That one is a little easier than quadruple tap juggle handle stall that's a trick and it's like that is so hard to get and so everybody agrees that like yeah nobody's gonna try that um so there yeah there definitely are certain people who and then you can see them like practicing and it's like wow and so for example like i was probably there's there's one other person on the team that i had to compete with for this uh travel all expenses paid trip yeah. to japan it was luke ford uh, he was on the team. He was really good. Like he was, again, I had that imposter syndrome where I was just like, oh man, I got to There's no way I'm going to beat this guy. Yeah. And so I, uh, the deciding day to buy the ticket was June 20th. And so that's when I had to submit my, my video of my final run. And so he submitted his on June 18th and it was like 795 points. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's mm -hmm. over. And then I was talking I was talking to Luke and I was like, I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna try this because it's just like that's so hard. Yeah. Seven hundred and ninety points. And he's like, You have the opportunity to like at least try yeah. to do it. Like it's not like I can do that and post it on my Instagram mm -hmm. and then people are gonna be like, Wow. You like you have the chance to be like post it and get a free flight to Japan. He was like, why, I mean, what are you doing right now? Are you just sitting at home playing games? Why yeah. are you? And I was like, okay, I'll, I guess I'll try. So then. So this is the guy you were competing against who is actually. Or is another, this, this, this is, is another this person. Is, Luke. This is Luke Leach. Okay. Luke Leach. So my friend Luke Leach, who I started Kendama with, he convinced me to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like to film this video. And so I was like, okay. So I went out of my driveway, got my GoPro and my GoPro has so much battery. So I could just like. Mm -hmm. record for hours and just so I was playing 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 and then my my high score the first day June 18th two days before was 600 points I had 600 points I needed 790 200 extra points which mm -hmm. is almost that's two level 10s yeah and it's like whoa or three level eights and it's like yeah. those are hard tricks yeah. I'm like ah. the next day try I think it was like 710 and I saw a big increase but it was like oh man I just got like Still need another E. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And then mm -hmm. the next day I was grinding, 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 and at like 3 p.m. I got, I think it was 860 or something. And it was like, whoa. Because mm -hmm. I just was like, I I remember the moment of like doing it, and I was like, wow, I did like a lot of points right there. I don't even know. I wasn't mm -hmm. keeping track. And then yeah, I looked yeah. at the video, I was like, oh, I just did 860. Yeah. And so then I messaged sweets and I was like, hey, um, don't worry, I'm submitting my my video to this group chat, but it'll be at 11 p.m. So he has only an hour to see it. Yeah, that was the thing of Luke because I could see exactly how many points he got, and then and like, you don't want to submit yours and then have him go exactly. Back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, in a competitive way, it was like, 
you either go to Japan or you don't. And exactly. I didn't want to throw them under the bus. Yeah. But like, I, I mean, if I was going to go, so then I did that and then I was able to get a flight. But the problem was I didn't think logistically because I was 16 and I didn't have a passport at that time. <sighs> I did not have a passport. And I was like, I messaged me mm. the day of, I was like, oh, crap, I don't have a uh, passport. I need to get it expedited. And he's like, oh, okay. And then it said, we were going to leave uh, July 14th. July 14th, July 28th, two weeks. And my expedited passport was going to get there July 13th or something. Yeah. That was like the so fastest day. day that was the fastest day. And yeah. I was like, I texted him. I was like, hey, can we like push my uh, uh, my day leaving uh-huh. a week? So I would have like just an extra. I don't want to get, have them buy it and then me not go. Yeah. Uh-huh. At all. And so then he did that. So I was, I was only there for a week. My passport came like July 8th or something. And it was just like, ah. Ah, so it came early. Oh, for way early. Wow. Like, ah, very, but I got to go to Japan. Uh-huh. I competed there. And um, yeah, it was amazing. It was just, it was amazing to see because I was just so used to American kendama mm-hmm. and American life. Yeah. And then you go to Japan and it's like just. Right. It's literally a whole different culture of people. Oh my, it's so different. And it was really eye-opening and really cool to see how respectful the uh, Japanese culture was mm-hmm. and just like how respected Kendama was there. Like everybody knows what it is and people like, yeah. it's a whole nother respect. And I think people are getting, it's in America, they're changing their opinion on Kendama mm-hmm. slowly. Well, I think that's the really, really interesting because we we look at a Japanese culture a lot and, you know, mm-hmm. it's influence on America. And I think it's, honestly kind of like crazy it's honestly like like a virus because like yeah. look at look at something like anime you know let's go back maybe like 10 or so years you know a few people were checking out anime mm-hmm. uh you know like uh, we had a few friends that watched naruto maybe some bleach uh and that was about it um and uh they you know they it was a very small group is basically what i'm trying to say but you know come to today you know, we have this, like, myriad of, like, different types of, like, anime that people are watching. Uh, you know, people have, like, keychains. They'll throw up stickers in their car. You know, like, people, it is, like, openly accepted, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, this, like, part of uh, Japanese culture is cool and people want to do it. Uh, and, you know, it, it, like, even going as far as, like, uh, dressing up as, like, characters. But it's just like this uh, Japanese culture is just so influential, you know. And, you know, the, the fact that you do kendama, it's like move to the U.S. It's popular in the U.S. It's growing slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I feel like Japanese culture is something that is like so prolific and like you don't think it's a big deal. But, you know, give it some time and you're going to be late to the punch, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know when I was when I was younger. I definitely uh, was much. I was much more self conscious of like, oh, this is a toy. Like, yeah. and it's like I'm sure you got that from some family members. Too. Oh, for sure. And they're still like that. And yeah. it's getting. Uh, I got to the point where I was like, they didn't stop saying, you know, oh, this is just a you know a little fad. Well, when not, you got flown out to fucking Japan. It was never. They've never been like. They've never said, oh, it's just a face. Uh, but they give, like, my dad, my, just my family, they they give me the vibe that they're just like, oh, this is like a, this is a toy. Yeah. And they don't like, like, I, I view it more of like, I've met so many, like, amazing people and have these crazy experiences with it. Yeah. And it's like, 
regardless of what the thing is, I've had these amazing memories and experiences with it, and that's well worth it. And now I've gotten to the point where I can make money off of it, and it's still like people. It's just um, a matter of convincing people, or like not convincing people, but changing their perception of what yeah. um, you can do for a living, I guess. And um, yeah, it was like when I was younger, I definitely felt like I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling or just being self-conscious about, oh, yeah. I'm playing with a toy. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. still a toy. That's yeah. 100% what well, it is. And that's the thing, you know, it's um, it's this very niche thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, the early adopters of these niches always seem to find success, you know, because I'll, I'll even, like, harken back to uh, social media. Um, look at something like uh, Vine. You know, Vine, Vine was yeah. like the old TikTok. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, about Vine? <laughs> people were on Vine, you know, making little videos, doing dances, making. Uh, I don't think they were necessarily. Sometimes they were doing dances, but it wasn't like TikTok. But they would do like short little skits. And, you know, our big people on there were. Uh, do you know King Batches? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, King oh, yeah. Batch. We have our Logan Paul. We have, um, you know, there, there's a myriad this, of people. I always watch this dude named Cody Co. Cody Co. Cody Co. Yep, yep, yep. Great. And, you know, they were just, like, doing this little thing, making mm-hmm. a little bit of a wave. But uh, over time, they, like, upgraded what they were doing and grew further with it. Like, uh, to make an example of, um, I think King Batch is the best example because, you know, he went from, you know, little videos on the Internet to literally starring in movies Oh, yeah. You know, like getting paid multi-millions to show up places, you know, an actual career. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to Logan Paul. Logan Paul, you know, Vines, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, has his own podcast, you know, boxed Floyd Mayweather um, and like lost. <laughs> um but, you know, he's, like, done all these things from, like, this, like, very, very little niche thing that mm-hmm. no one cared about that I'm sure, you know, all these people got bullied for doing, like, ah, you know, it's, like, super lame that you're, like, doing this, like, thing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, no one cares about that stuff, right? But it's just look at the look at the lengths, you know, these niche things can take you because you put the time, mm-hmm. you put the effort into making it something great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't... Yeah. That wasn't my goal when I started this, too. It yeah. was just, like, something I did for fun. I don't think it was, like, for them either. It's just, like, yeah. this fun little it's a thing. It's natural but... uh, progression, this flow yeah. of, like, things that happen. Exactly. And with those creators, it's just, like, they never... They, with Vine, they were mm-hmm. probably just, like, oh, I'm, this is fun. Mm-hmm. I yeah. make videos with my friends. Make a exactly. funny video. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoof, scoops, laughs, and gasps. Exactly. And then that's it. And then All it of a sudden, out, it blows up. And then they're huge. They make millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah. But to, I mean, I got to the point where, um, yeah, it was I, probably like three mm-hmm. years in. It was yeah. just like, all right, this is, this is a thing that's a part of my life that mm-hmm. I'm very, I love. Yeah. yeah. It got to like college, and then, yeah. So, that's my journey mm-hmm. through my sponsorship. Yeah. Um, with Kendama. Yeah, it's. Take me a lot of places. So do you that's have... That's the Kendama saga? That's part of the Kendama saga. That's, okay. that's just the like, beginning half. Okay. Of, do you have your own skin yet? Yes, I have my own. Um, last year, 2019, of November 2019, I was asked, I got a call, and they were like, 
you're going to be the 2021 pro. I was like, oh, whoa. And that's always like, that was my dream. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so my, you did eventually become pro. I did. Okay. I am pro. Okay. And right. that was like, all right, that's the pinnacle. That yeah. was like, when I started 2014, it was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be pro? Like, mm. that's like awesome. And then I got sponsored and I was like, oh, that's the next step. And then um, half the team was like, no, they just stopped playing. So they were just like, all right, you're cut off from the team. And then I stayed yeah. and I kind of like stayed with the team. And then finally, like it took a long time, but then uh, November 2019, I was like, finally they called me. You know, it was just yeah. like, oh. And then I had to think about how to design it. And it was just like this yeah. whole process of, because that's a dream, but then I also have to design it and make sure mm-hmm. I can sell some. Yeah. Oh, they didn't like give you some assistance as far as like, you know, oh, here's like this designer, you know, talk to them. They'll help you put something together. They did give me a designer, Paulson. He's awesome. He's very talented, extremely talented yeah. and helped me a lot. But I remember I had a meeting with him and I, I gave him this like idea and he was just like, yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. This is not going to sell. Because I was like, I have this tree branch. I uh, want this little, I want this uh, photo uh, record thing from like the old cameras from way back, film cameras. Yeah. He's like, yeah, there's nothing makes sense here. Like, please come up with something better. <laughs> like, okay, this is not gonna back work to on base one. So I went back to the drawing board, and uh, I listened to this band Tycho. I don't know if you know Tycho. Uh, he's this instrumentalist, um, really cool. I listen to him a lot when I study. And there's yeah. this album that he has, past this prologue, and it's like this cool watercolor design. And there's just like these splashes. So I t- cropped part of it. Mm-hmm. And then put it into Photoshop and turned it into a sphere, mm-hmm. brought it to him. And he was like, oh, this is like really cool. And then I had this idea of this camera, this aperture on the top. And I wanted to make it focused on cameras. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I had that idea of the camera, the color was the hardest part, I guess, for me. So I had this like aperture on the top yeah. um, for focus because I was on the focus team. Yeah. And the aperture controls the focus. Yeah. And Kendama is all about focus it's like this triple meaning i was like i have to have mm-hmm. this it's such a cool thing and then i had the aperture numbers and the, it was all based around a camera yeah and then mm-hmm. there was like little openings within the aperture and other parts of the kendama the ball yeah um see dude now i'm kind of mad that you didn't bring it i'm i'm very mad i have a, I have a lot of photos so i'll show you um but yeah i have uh, it's like this there's a lot of openings on it yeah. And I talked to Paulson, the designer, and he was like, oh, we got to like figure out this, like the color. And at first I was like, this is before my album cover idea of the cool watercolor. But oh, yeah. uh, I was like, oh, we could put make it like red and yeah. green for like old cameras. And he was like, no, that's terrible. Like he's very blunt about it. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and you need that. You, you need, need that. You know, you don't want someone who's just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want totally. a yes man. Don't want a yes uh, man during a designer. Or like yeah. you want somebody who's like, that's a terrible idea. Unless mm. you're like, I want this a hundred percent, and then they're like, "Okay, mm. I guess." I'm like it's yours, but like, well, like you have to be like Kanye status for that's like like work though. Yeah, as far as like you know, and I'm sure you you know what I mean as far as um you know, Kanye will have an absolutely ridiculous idea. You know, no one <laughs> believes in it, but he's just like you know, fuck you, fuck you. Um, I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah, pushes it into the public. The public loves it. You know. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just like, about like yeah. uh, taking that risk, or just like I don't know. I when think I, maybe if your name's big enough, 
You can, I don't even think it's a name sell. thing, dude. Like, yeah, I look mean, at some of fucking Kanye's like stuff. Like, you seen his fucking his clogs, bro? You seen clogs. the Yeezy clogs? Never seen a clog. Clogs. I don't know what a clog is. Oh, <laughs> um, well, here, let me let me think of a different one. Um, have you seen his like uh, his uh, dad shoes? No, the Yeezy oh, dad oh, shoes. They look. They're like um, little. Um, they look like slippers, like really nice slippers. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, the man, what? I know, I, I have this thing where uh, it's like these slippers, but they look like alien slippers. They're uh, just like these holy things. Yeah, I, I know those ones, and those are like, those are the Yeezy slides, I'm pretty sure is Yeezy what slides. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but he, he has a bunch of stuff. And the main point is, a lot of them just look fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, uh, initially, you know, you might actually have a point as far as the name goes, but like, they just look like they don't work. Mm. But then you try them out, and you're like, hmm. Hmm. Kanye designed this. It's got to be good. I no no. I, I don't even think that's necessarily true. Because like, look, dude, like, like he has like some just like things I've seen him just like mm, questionable. And there was like, one. There was one that I saw where it was like some like sweater, but there's a bunch of like ripped holes in the mm-hmm. front of it, mm-hmm. and it was like Kanye has rats that just chew apart the shirt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, but like, it, that's like in though. Rip's clothing is in. Oh, for so sure. Like, that's like like ripped that's jeans. A, that's a bad example. I um, like buying my clothing non-ripped and then mm. ripping it myself. Yes, mm. me too. Through fun. That's it adds a character to it, your yeah. own character, yeah. rather than like them True. making it. Yeah. The manufactured character. Manufactured character. We like <laughs> homegrown character. Yeah. Um. Yeah. With um. I finally came up with that idea of the album artwork and then just sent yeah. it to him. But I was much more confident on that. And that's what helped with the uh, process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a whole whole thing that uh, was outside of my career in like, I was so used to making videos and Kendama clips. And then yeah. that was like, oh, I get to like, I have to sell this and I have to, it was this whole nother realm that mm-hmm. I've never experienced, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So did you kind of have to spearhead the uh, the promotion of your own kendama then? You'd be like, oh, like, sick, I just dropped this new skin, and you're doing some tricks with it. Yeah, I had to. Well, I it was a passion project. I got to make a video for, like, selling it Yeah. on YouTube, and I, like, made the pro video. Yeah. But I also had to make a lot of Instagram clips, and um, I just had to promote it because I wanted to, obviously, want to sell it. Yeah, but I also want to get my name out there, and and mm-hmm. I wanted to. Um, my goal was to increase it uh, further than just kendama, mm-hmm. and and like increase improve who I am, rather than just like all right, these are my tricks. These are yeah, because yeah. I feel like on Instagram and on YouTube and whatever it is, uh, I have posted like absolute bangers, like really hard tricks, and I'm very yeah. proud of. Yeah, but like, I wanted to expand who I am rather than just like people knowing me like if they go to a uh, like a competition they're like oh you're like really good at kendama I'm like Mm -hmm. thanks and then Mm -hmm. it's like I I want to expand what I'm skillful at yeah Mm -hmm. like who you are not be known pigeonholed for something like very specific Uh, that reminds me um, a lot of uh, do you know who uh, Pierre is Uh, he like uh, produces Pierre Bourne yeah, Pierre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. So uh, then you might also know that um, Pierre makes really, really good beats. But oh, yeah. 
Um, he also likes to rap sometimes, mm-hmm. and he really hates that people only know him for his beats, and he wants like attention for like you know the songs that he's also made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they refuse. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I think it's a it's a very like dangerous path because uh, you can't necessarily be too good at one thing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. and and like um, you can't be too good at one thing for too long. Otherwise, people only know you for that one thing, yeah. and your like outreach instantly becomes limited. It's like being the the bruiser in uh in action movies, or being like mm-hmm. the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, getting typecasted. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, let's see, who's a who's a really big typecast actor? Um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Right. That's like a good typecast, though. Yeah. Oh, we're thinking. Oh, we're thinking like a bad typecast. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's think bad typecast. So like a character that's not good, or like they're just not a good. They just they just do the same goddamn fucking. They're always. They're they're, the same character. They're always the henchmen. Is what. Uh, (laughs) Um. Michael Cera. No, not Michael Cera. Michael Cera's. Michael Sarah's good, but he, he's, good. Just, he's, always, he's always the awkward dude. The awkward kid. That, like, and he's you know, like 35 and he can still play an awkward <laughs> yeah. t- Because he, he hasn't gone through puberty yeah. yet. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know who. I'm trying to think of a person, but. I don't pay attention to actors that much. I mean, like, I watch movies and, like, I should be able to think of something, but I'm just, like, drawing a blank right now. Like, I think the, the only immediate thing that comes to mind is, like, Maybe like Terry Crews. Terry Crews, I feel like, is like typecasted as like, ah, he's like, you know, the really big looking intimidating guy that's actually like super soft and likable. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's like what he is in almost everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I, going back to the the pigeonhole mm-hmm. or just like your, because like I, I focused a lot of my attention towards Kendama or like video stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's this guy I met during the summer, uh, Jonathan. And he was just this, like, hipster dude. Like, he had a lot of, like, he could play the piano kind of well, the guitar. Mm-hmm. He could draw really well. He could bike pretty far. Like, he's really good at biking. He can, like, he's very, he's got a lot of, like, areas where yeah. he could just, he's just like a, he does Jack of everything. all trades. Jack of all trades. And I would say that I'm much more focused on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I was reading this really interesting article on how you kind of want to, you don't want to, um, we should try to promote being mediocre at many things. Because yeah. when you are uh, focusing so much on that one thing or that um, one area of expertise, you kind of make your assumptions about yourself where you're like, um, you're... Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Mm-hmm. Your degree of skill or the way that you um, think about yourself, you're yeah. much more critical yeah. when yeah. you just focus on that one thing rather than um, being more adaptable to the learning, being mm-hmm. mediocre at like piano. And yeah. like, oh, I've got so much farther to go mm-hmm. on learning piano. Well, just because you're at this high point with that other skill. Yeah, and it's of... like there is some growth there, mm-hmm. right, with things, but like, we should promote more mm-hmm. uh, being curious about yeah. more things rather than like, and it, it, it is helpful in, in a economical sense when yeah. you focus on one thing, yeah. like then you are better than others and then you can sell that. Yeah. But also. It's important to be multifaceted is the thing. Like, you know, yeah. and like um, 
widening widening your horizon you know yeah. being able to like uh, garner these like new skills learning little things and you know they might be related to one another but um yeah just like having just uh, one skill that you're really good at can help you in that one skill yeah but guaranteed it won't help you in other things like and if you just widen what you do it's just learning from one aspect you can take that piece and bring it to somewhere something else that you're doing mm -hmm. and just improve yourself there you know, um, in my own personal experience, like I, I feel like I, I, I am kind of in that position where I, I work in video, I work with audio, mm -hmm. you know, I am able to like uh, go back and forth bringing things, um, uh, bringing in things that are important mm -hmm. that can either, um, that can heighten one part that I've learned, oh, if this doesn't work, you know, in the audio, it's not going to give like the visual performance certain sure. punch. Uh, let's talk about lighting. You know, if like something isn't like lit properly on a set, you know, if we're not able to properly see the emotions on a actor's face, you know, as they're performing, you know, it's going to be kind of lost in translation, the emotion that they're trying to give off to the audience. Sure. You know, it's just these like little things help to support the whole. Mm -hmm. And if you're just like stuck in like one spot, you're not going to realize any of that, any of like, you know, the things that are around that matter. Um, because like I, I've definitely seen it in film specifically, where I've like uh, worked with uh, I've worked with like cameramen mm -hmm. that like you know will ignore lighting entirely, or mm -hmm. just like you know say like ah oh, you know like we're it's like good enough. yeah, and it's just like in it and like in my like head I'm like ah oh, you know you don't know what you're fucking doing you know like if you just do these like few simple things it'll just improve things astronomically but it's just sure. like ah oh, it doesn't matter. You know, like well, like it's too much of a hassle right now. But um, it, it, my my major point is is just like you said. It is pointless to be just really good at one thing. Like you, you have to widen what you're capable of doing. Yeah. Just to like be an interesting person. Like I like for one, because have you met those people that like just have that one thing that they like talking about and like. You try to go to any other conversation, and they're like, "Oh, it always cool. works and its then, way back." Exactly, yeah. and I, I hate those people, yeah. bro. <laughs> be real, yeah, and they're just boring to fucking talk about, bro. Like, is that all you do? Yeah. So, yeah, mm. it, um, yeah. I mean, when I was, I finally found like when I got good at kendama, yeah. or that was something that was like, oh, like it was a point of where it was like validating, mm -hmm. and people could like. It was like, oh, people, like I know I'm good at this because mm -hmm. I'm getting this recognition, which was a, again, a boost to my ego, but like there's also a boost of like this competitive spirit within myself. And when I started to underperform at these competitions, it was very, it was difficult because like you've got these expectations and something that I've been trying to maneuver is the, the, competitive nature versus like mm -hmm. um, cooperative and yeah. like how how much are we um, intertwining this? How much are we like letting this competitive side be the thing and then letting this cooperative? And I feel like I've let a lot of bit of my competitive side down because it's been very much a, not a burden, but it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, I hate like always trying to, I mean, part of the competitive side is like comparing yourself to others because yeah. you want to be better than others. That exactly. could be a, a downfall, comparing yourself to others. Oh, for sure. But also competitive can be great for improving yourself because you yep. want to be competitive and 
be better. And mm -hmm. that's a great thing. And it's always that balance of figuring out. Yeah. Um, but as I got through Kendama, that, something that taught me, it was just like when I got closer and closer with these people on my team, it was like we became a team rather than like us yeah. competing against each other. Like, oh, I got to get better than this person. It's mm -hmm. like we are uplifting each other. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. but. <laughs> Well, uh, on the subject of uh, widening our horizons, for sure. How did um, how did Kendama and just like everything you learned there? How did you take that and move it into like other subjects of your life? Um, I would say I would say the bit hundred percent the biggest thing that I've learned is patience. Yeah, with it, or just the process of patience, uh, like just. Like when I was younger, well, when I tried to get on the team, it was like this patience of trying to get this trick, just at the bare bones level. Mm -hmm. And then I was so I was patient for a long time on getting spot or getting pro, being pro, and getting my own kendama. And then that took another year to get my pro yeah. pro model. And I was working the whole time, like I was like consistently working, and I didn't really question the process. It just came when it happened. I wasn't like I want this now. Yeah. Now we're like I'm leaving. Like it, that didn't come up. It it's was like, just like you'll you'll get it when you get it. Yeah. You're gonna put in the time and when effort. you put in the time and effort, it comes and it's not easy when you are like in that path. Like mm -hmm. obviously, I'm like I feel like I've done a lot for this company. Yeah. Um, like, but it's just a part of the process and um, putting it in that time and then that you can apply that to literally so many things in your mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And, um, and just like trying to get this trick, it's like, oh, this is really hard, but like, it'll be fulfilling in the end mm -hmm. because like, this is a trick I want. Yeah. And I think that's just one of the, the most important things that, um, I, and I'm, I may or may not be wrong about this, but, uh, that a lot of young people don't have today of like, you know, actually getting back up and trying again, you know, just mm -hmm. uh, like you were saying, the, the patience, of course, and then like the, the consistency there as well. Putting like, in yeah, get the work. Up and try it again. Putting in the work beforehand. There was, um, in college, we had a really hard anatomy test. Mm. And I go up to one of my classmates uh, after the test, and I go, how was that? Like, was that hard? And he said, the test wasn't hard because he knew everything already. But what was the hard part was studying for it. So mm. it's like all like the preparation and hard work comes beforehand, like with your competitions. Yeah, putting all that the grinding hours. beforehand. Yeah, I, yeah, the tests they're hard because you gotta like the harder tests. It's like oh, I gotta put in like twenty hours for this test, yeah. and it's like if you don't, you're gonna fail. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, yeah, you just apply that to school, apply mm -hmm. that to. I mean, yeah, it's anything. It's just like if you're not consistent with it, you're gonna fail yeah you know if you don't try you're gonna fail like, yeah and it's there there's no easy way around it yeah um like you said you know you've been in this for three four years now kendama yeah i've been in here uh, i started in 2014 so i've been seven years okay Almost seven eight. years okay so a little a long time a good fit. well 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 nice we've been brought alcohol let's go <laughs> Oh, uh, do, you, do you want to say hi to the camera since you've been gone for three weeks? Yeah, gone. pull up a chair, dude. That's yes. Arpon has returned from the UK. 
Do we have another show? Oh, you got that show right uh, there. Uh, give me a second. I need you to do like. All right. Well, you do your thing. Sure. Mm. Uh, but anyways, let's um, let's uh, move on into everything else that you're doing. So we've we've talked a lot about uh, Kendama. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, we fleshed that topic out. But uh, I know you're also involved in film and photography, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into that a bit. Uh, how did um, is that something you've been doing alongside Kendama, or like well, yeah, when did you actually been, get interest in it? You've been filming all your Kendama, Kendama work, so that's just kind of a skill that came along with everything that you're yeah. doing, right? Yeah. To touch back on Kendama, <laughs> it just happened because. The Gosh, is Kendama all he's talking uh, about? That's all I can talk about. Yeah, this is it. This is it. This is all I am. Um, there was there's this guy on the team who was just like, oh, your stuff sucks. Like, your videos are terrible. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that sucks to hear. Give me 11-1. Like, hey. I, got, I got a video. I got a camera. Give me 11-1. Jesus. Alcoholic. Drinking. Alcoholic. Drinking on the job. Yeah, it pays to drink this on the job. after hours. <laughs> Not sponsored by Truly. Not sponsored. Not. not sponsored. <laughs> uh, but, but Truly hey, sponsor us. Sponsor us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we won't say no. Um, you were saying? You, you, you want it? You want a beer? I'll I'll have a Truly. Okay. I'll hop on I'll the Truly one. train. Yeah. Well. I'll have a Truly. Which one is the fight over? Which one? Want the lemonade? I'll take the lemonade. Great. I get the strawberry one. Cheers. Cheers. Wait, wait for him to... Cheers, boys. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, Jay's on the phone? Yeah. Tell Jay I said hi. Teddy says hi. Anyways, you were anyway, saying... He says hello, Teddy. <laughs> Would you like to further... Why, why hasn't he come yet? Why hasn't he come to talk to us about uh, sustainability? Teddy says, why hasn't he come yet? Why hasn't he come to talk to us about sustainability? <laughs> That's what we're all about here. Sustainability. These cans Jay will be says, recycling. Bro, sustainability isn't even that good of a topic to talk about. I like sus- what? sustainability. is a great topic. Teddy says, I like sustainability. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> all right, we're done with this. Up. We're Shut done with up. this. <laughs> Anyways, Parker, you were saying. Um, <laughs> you can't even back remember. Back to Kendama. We're going <laughs> on. Uh, there's, yeah, the guy was like, oh, was, your stuff is bad. I was like, okay. I'll get a camera. So I got a camera. And then I started filming like videos of that. But then I started taking photos of my friends and was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And I did that for a while. And then in 2018 or 2019, I applied to the newspaper at the Minnesota University of Minnesota and the Minnesota Daily and then got the job as the yeah. staff photographer. So it was just like you take pictures of whatever articles we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so that was that. And it happened to be during the year of like one of the biggest biggest years for like go for sports, go for football program. Really quick question. What's up? Do you know Max Migler? Max Migler? Yeah. Do you know him? Mm-mm. No. It doesn't ring a bell. Okay. It does not okay, ring a bell. Okay, I'll bring his like relevancy later, but okay, continue. Great. Amazing. Um, yeah, it, it was a big football program. And so then or a big football year, and then I got the chance to, like, travel with the team and take photos of them, and that was a big thing. And I kind of, like, learned to love documenting others and taking photos of others listening to people. And yeah. um, it was a – I thought of the photograph as, like, a very intimate way of 
like getting to know somebody and mm-hmm. getting to hear somebody and like tell their story. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, like I learned, like I loved listening to people and hearing their stories when I was on that job. And so um, I did that for about two years until I graduated. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I started. You didn't making, delve into any other types of photography? Um, it was like journalistic photography was my main, like, uh, I guess passion, something yeah. that I really liked when I went to these places I had no business going to yeah. and then meeting these people. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I get to meet this person, like talk uh-huh. to them and like going to like a train meeting about infrastructure and how much money we're spending on this stop sign in this neighborhood. Or like, it was just like, why? Like th- this happens. I have no, like, I have no part in this yeah. conversation and mm-hmm. I've, I would not be here if I wasn't working. And then I get to talk to people and they're like, really passionate about this stop sign mm-hmm. at this intersection. Yeah. They're like, oh, this needs to be here because mm-hmm. of blank, blank, blank. Yeah. Oh, and their passion for it like is really infectious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's put this stop sign there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very, but I can't because of journalistic integrity. But I'm also like, when they're like, oh, who wants to speak on this stop sign? I'm like, I want to, I yeah. want to talk about why we should yeah. put it here or why not. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I definitely hear you there because like I, I've like I I know what you're talking about, and sometimes those stop signs do really need to be you know at certain intersections, yeah. you know, because like it's dangerous. Kids are in that neighborhood, you know, like people need to slow down. They're not checking when they're you know crossing the street. Blah blah. blah. I'm of the opinion that all stop signs should be yield signs. I Whoa. disagree with that. Controversial That's a opinion. Very controversial opinion. You're just, you're just trying to speak. I pretty you're much yield. I just yield at stop signs anyway. Let's turn all of the stoplights to yellow lights. All caution lights. And it's like, what? Isn't that, I mean, how do they do things in China if there's just massive roundabouts and like, or like, you know. Are they? You always see the you always see the videos of like an Indian street jam packed, mm-hmm. and then it's like people just inch through till they're through the intersection. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Um, I don't think it's as uh, maybe safe as there's stop an art signs. To it, I tell but you, maybe there's an art to it. There could be there an art. There is an art to it. There is like a very convoluted, very like cultural art to it. To what stop signs or the no, no, no stop like, signs? No India. stop signs. <laughs> those countries that you see, like you see those videos where like everything like works, but it's just really fucking chaotic. You're just mm-hmm. waiting for someone to smash into the moped or motorcyclist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you think. Mm-hmm. But like you watch it for like you know, fifteen minutes and none of that happens, and you're like, what the fuck? How how, mm-hmm. how are they not killing each other right now? Well, it's like um. It's uh, one of those things, I, I'm trying to remember what it is. If you, like, grow up in a toxic ho- household, you know, and you leave, um, you know, you you realize uh, your normal isn't, um, fuck. Uh, basically, you just, you're born in it, you live in it, therefore, oh, I'm not coming out properly. It's a little bit closer. It'll be fine. Is that good? Yep. All right. Um, you live in it, you're born in it. Uh, you can manage it, but if someone who like isn't used to that comes up and tries to show up and deal with it, it's like it's a fucking no go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just it's not necessarily controlled nor organized chaos, but um, it's your chaos. It's their chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. As I said, it's a very cultural chaos. You know, <laughs> cultural chaos. That's like, that's the best way th- to put there, it. There is there is like a culture that is developed around like just 
weird honks that people do to let people know that, like, you know, they're in Not a certain the weird location. Honks. Weird honks. We love a weird honk. <laughs> no, because, like, the double honk is, like, polite. <laughs> I late. didn't realize how like little Minneapolis, like, we never honk. It's like, Minneapolis, it's Minnesota nice. Yeah, you know? Minnesota, like, when you go to, like, Chicago, yeah. it's, uh, it's just so loud. Or New York City. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Like, here, nothing. You We're know quiet. what? I didn't notice that until you mentioned it. But you're fucking right, cause like nobody honks. I've, I've nobody. noticed it myself when like you know someone does something. I'm like I'm not sure if it's like my Minnesota noise nice or I just don't care. But like Smile I've had instances wave. where yeah. like you know some like motherfucker does something really stupid in front of me and I gotta like slam my brakes. And I'm like fucking moron. Yeah, and I just continue about my. You like scream in yeah. your own car. You're like what the fuck? Yeah. Have a good it. day. <laughs> that's it. There's no like or there's no like go yeah. going down the window. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wager to say it's not Minnesota nice. It's just, you, know, we, we're very go with the flow people. We just we move just, on. We yeah, just we move on. There's no anger. I mean, yeah. when I drive with my roommate, it's like, he gets angry, and he's just yeah. like, it seems like when he, when I drive with him, it's always like there's so many bad drivers. When I drive, I guess I'm either oblivious or I just don't get angry. Every yeah. time he's like, why did you cut me off? Yeah, and then like. He won't like mm-hmm. he won't honk at them. He won't like confront them. Mm-hmm. It's just like in his car. And how many like when I'm driving, yeah. I'm now very conscious. Like is the person <laughs> behind me, like screaming at me right now. <laughs> They're not honking at me. Like did yeah. I make a wrong turn? And yeah. then yeah. I'm just I'm self conscious mm-hmm. now because my roommate is just like an individual. Like yeah. But when if he was like confronted by them, he was like. Yeah, that was like you were really good at driving. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be <laughs> like that was a terrible driver. That's Minnesota. Yeah, that he's Minnesota. just like non-confrontational. <laughs> have you ever? I guess this question, to anyone? Have you ever pissed someone off so much driving to the point where they like do something rash and like try and cut you off? Yes, and oh, like I want to get you. I want to go first. <laughs> Bro. Got a story? Yeah, I do have a story. So last year I was working. Okay. Last year I was working uh, this internship, and I was like on my way home, you know, driving, you know, yeah. And I think it has something to do with the car I was driving because I I just recently bought you know uh, my like Lexus SUV. Oh, sure. Some pampered Lexus boy. Something maybe something (laughs) like that. But anyways, you know, driving down the highway, I see this guy and it's like you know like car. You know, kind of beat up just like this, like, you know, like older looking sedan. Um, and he's going kind of slow. So I like, you know, just pass him. I like, you know, I and I, I don't cut him off by any means. I give him like there's a lot of space between mm-hmm. me like merging back into the lane after going in front of him. That's but some people just, like, get offended gets, by no, he passing. Did, he, like. he got mad so much <laughs> to the point where like he started speeding up. And like the thing is like traffic was starting to like get thick, like where we were like at at the time. And like he weaves through traffic to Bro, get back what? in front of me. <laughs> wow. He gets back in front of me, weaving through traffic, and then he flicks me off. No. And I'm just like, I'm just laughing to myself in my car, like, damn, bro, how bothered can you possibly be? Bro? Yeah. What's going on in your life? Yeah, you know yeah they get to that. That's like the deep dig. It's I like, know, what dude, is it's like, just, what's wrong, bro? Like, like you okay? something's yeah. going on yeah. in your life. Rather than like you getting angry at yeah. them and like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's uh-huh. like, What's like? What's happening, bro? Honestly, I'm here to I'm listen. Just like, like that's bro. a deep dig. Like, yeah. you're a fucking loser, bro. You really got so upset that you literally risked your life weaving through traffic, got back in front of me, and then you flick me off, and it's just like, gotta get the bro. last word. 
Like, I guess, bro. Like, it's just, it didn't matter. Some people, like, they just have that, like, they want to get the last uh, word. Yeah, they, they, got just, the, they got the drive, you know? The, literally the drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I just, I laughed at him, and I made sure he saw me laughing at him. Like, wow. it's just like, you're a loser, bro. Like, you got that upset. But anyways, wow. who's next? I mean, <laughs> as as The Rock said it best, it's about drive. It's about <laughs> power. <laughs> Uh, we, oh devo- what's what's we devour. We stay hungry. We, we devour. devour. <laughs> Does The Rock know that people are making fun of him? Oh, for sure. Uh, you think but so? But he's totally he's eating it up. <laughs> he probably wanted that to happen. He's probably writing it and be like, this is terrible. Uh-huh. I hope. You think so? <laughs> well, not horrible, but like, this is funny. Well, no, 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 no. I agree with the first thing. It is bad. Like, it's bad. It, like, it is but like I hope he doesn't terrible. think it's bad. I hope he thinks it's funny because uh-huh. it is funny and it's also bad. Mm-hmm. But It's funny, but like no one's laughing with him. They're mm-hmm. laughing at him. And I just want to make that abundantly clear. What is this about in regards to that? He did. So he made a rap song. Oh right? my. Oh. You don't know this no. rap song? I don't keep up okay. with pop culture you, stuff. Oh my. You need to be. You, you really got to fix it. I'm making my own pop spot. culture, okay? And that's not how it works. You need to keep up with pop culture if we're doing a podcast. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah, his, uh, he should not have gone into rap. That's, mm. as, is that his first song that he's ever made? Probably not. Well, that's like what well, every celebrity is doing nowadays. A they mainstream they're, song? They're, yeah. They're, they're like famous in one aspect and then they just branch out. They're trying to branch out, but like him. <laughs> if The Rock starts a fucking rap career, like it's over for hip hop. You uh, know? I like, don't know. Do you guys remember uh, Steve O doing that? Steve O rap? Steve O made a rap album like so many years ago, like in 2005. And it was like, he was on some like real like hardcore drugs and it came uh, out and he like did this whole tour with it and it was like tour? it was bad like if you look up videos he like <laughs> it says some nasty stuff like the like it's bad yeah but yeah. it was yeah, just like yeah. he was trying to go into a lane that uh-huh. he should not have gone into yeah. and he should have stayed in like mm-hmm. jackass which yeah. is hilarious but like rap? Mm. Steve-O rapping? Unacceptable. I don't think you can go from jackass to rapping. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just too much of a jump. I understand how people find jackass hilarious. Dude. Jackass makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> that's a deep thing. <laughs> Dude. Jackass makes me uncomfortable because it's just like, I, like, whenever I see, like, uncomfortable pranks where it's like, you know, oh, you know, we're going to, like, do this, like, thing to, like, you know, mess with this person. It just makes me, like, cringe. I'm just like, ugh. Then I just can't watch it. The, be- it the best me. pranks are the harmless ones where they're just, like, I'm trying to think of a, an example of a harmless prank. Like, uh, oh, uh, um, there's this guy on YouTube, Creations Ross. Mm-hmm. He was doing videos of putting hot dogs in people's pockets. <laughs> and it's, like, the most <laughs> innocent uh, prank. But it's, like, then they go in there, they have a video of them mm-hmm. looking in their pocket and they're, like, <laughs> What is this hot dog <laughs> doing in the bucket? And that's the best prank. That's but like jackass yeah. where they're like, I don't know, harpooning each other. And it's like, oh, today we're going to shoot each other. It's like, yep. what? Today, or they're just like ball, messing like, with but today, Or today we're putting blueberries in people's pockets. Mm. It's like, that's, or like uh. we're running on a treadmill that's like, it's a, he, they, he made a treadmill. This yeah. guy, Creations Ross, made a treadmill and made it motorized. Oh, so is a, that the, the video of him like walking like in New, or like he's walking on the treadmill in New York, like passing yeah. joggers? On a, on a, he's not, he's just running on a treadmill that's on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's like, or he also filled his car. He bought a used car, filled it with beans, and then had somebody who's a locksmith try to open it. And he opened it, and a bunch of beans came out. It's just like, what is that prank? Mm-hmm. That's a best no. prank. But like, no, those are just good, some like, like ones where people are like, what the? <laughs> like, like, what yeah, is happening? Confusion. But I just, I don't like pranks where like you're like. The bodily whole point harm is pranks are just like mm. no nah, what bodily harm pranks that's assault not a prank <laughs> no that's all of jackass jackass is a bodily harm like yeah like today we shoot each other you know how many fucking bones Steve has bro, broken a lot I'm aware but he's like he's broken more bones than he has bones <laughs> I don't doubt that but like my major point is just that um it's just messing with people or just like trying to get people upset. For a joke is just like cringy to me. I just don't yeah. like it. Predatory, like predatory pranks and jokes, those are definitely where you got to draw the line where you're like either embarrassing someone, hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like there's some pranksters on YouTube that are just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. today we pretend that we're robbing somebody. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. though so obviously people hilarious. are going to like come to you yeah. and come to the person and try oh. to like... And then they get like a gun pulled on them because they're like pretending to yeah. rob somebody. It's like, yeah, no, yeah I, pretend. What? No, you can't pretend to rob someone. You're just robbing them and or like pretend they, get, they have like an actor. Someone, yeah, like, it's yeah. like, what do you think is gonna happen? Exactly. The there, reaction. There was, there was like this really bad one, like where they labeled it a social experiment, where like it was like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm killing my best friend in front of his girlfriend, <laughs> and like. Social experiment. That's the <laughs> social you get the cops called on you right there. It's like the ones that you get, mm-hmm. like cops. Nobody's yeah. gonna call the cops on like you find a hot dog in your pocket. Exactly. Like, or like, you're not tormenting anyone. Yeah. Like, dude, have you seen um those uh I think they're like on Instagram. These like two dudes who just like stand in front of a on a college campus with a sign oh, on them. Yeah, like you them. know, and people like have to complete these tasks in order to win a prize. It's like $100. It's like, you know, uh, the first person to bring me cooked mac and cheese gets $100. Really? <laughs> you know, like they just stand there with a sign on them. Like these students, like they walk wow. and read the sign. They're like, oh, cooked mac and cheese? Uh, does it, can it be microwaved? Like they just don't talk to them. They don't answer. They like run around crazy. Wow, that's amazing. I've never heard of like, this. You know, they give it to them and then they get handed $100. Wow. <laughs> That's a great. Well, that's what do you call that? Not just a fun thing. That's yeah, not a prank. Like, it's not even a prank. It's just like I call that expensive mac and cheese. It's having people run around for like you know something fun. Yeah. Like um, I think the the most recent one I saw from them, they they were giving out a like MacBook Pro to someone, um, and I think the requirement was, uh, I think it was uh, so they had to. They had to bring um, two bagels, put them on each of their heads, and then pour a bucket of um, pickle juice on their head to oh, win. A, um, wow! Yeah, uh, to win a MacBook Pro. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah. We'd totally do that. Mm. Yeah, I would mm. jump on. How that. do you feel about? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Eric Andre's skits. Eric Andre. He's Eric hilarious. Andre. He's like. He's hard for me because, like, I, I just like mentioned how I don't he like tormental. He teeters yeah, it. Like, I don't hard. like tormental. He teeters it hard. People. There's some that are like, whoa. Yeah. But he's good. He's like, he's very good at, like you said, teetering the line because, like, he's funny and it's, like, undeniable. Oh, yeah. But, like, he, like, he also just does stuff where it's just like, oh, I don't like that. Did you see it? Have you seen his uh, latest movie? 
Um, the, the new one? Oh, my. I've you have not, to. You guys have to watch it. Well, it, I don't know. No, no, if you don't like Jackass, you probably will not. Is it, um, I'm, uh, with Sounds one of the like first like uh, skits in it, um, he's like working at um, a used car lot. Yeah. That one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, then and I there, watch a little bit. Yeah, then there, there's one where he uh, puts, he's working at like a smoothie shop, yeah. and he puts his hand in the blender, yeah, and like yeah. blood goes everywhere, <laughs> and there's actual customers, <laughs> and he's like, whoa! <laughs> his hand is like gone and everybody's like oh. and you can tell like they're yeah. real people they're yeah. like oh, what is happening <laughs> you know, the, the one where he's like stuck in cements and like uh, like he he's he's just like asking for help and you know oh help me I'm stuck in the cement I can't get out you know oh my boss is gonna fire me when he finds this out you know and like people are trying to like actually help him they throw him like some rope you know like he grabs onto the rope you know pretending like he's gonna like actually like help himself and then he just like keeps crying and basically like I think he even gets someone to like bring him ice cream like oh please give me an ice cream you know I, I really need it in these trying times you know like just like ridiculous Eric Andre stuff so it's like I he's like anti jackass and I think like I, I don't that might even not even be the right way to put it but like he's just. He's in he the does. new Jackass. Jackass Four is coming out like in is very he? soon, and he's in the he's in there. He's like one of the main guys. In it. I'm like, whoa! But I think I think that movie that he I made think. was directed by uh-huh. the Jackass guy, yeah, Justin Tremaine or whatever. Okay. And it's just like all of the skits. It's like, how are you like? Mm-hmm. I don't know how he has the guts to go out and do that. Uh-huh. Like putting your hand in a blender and having it getting sawed off, and or well, like, the I think, like I think the worst one is like. Is the is the one where he's like, he goes into like this like coffee shop or something and like he he causes a ruckus, and then like another guy who's like you know an actor uh, comes in uh, dressed as a cop <laughs> and like you know he's like what the fuck are you doing? And, like, you know, he starts like making the motions of like starting to beat him, but like then they start like furiously making out. <laughs> <laughs> It's Just, like, the fuck's going yeah, like, on? Like if you're a customer, it's like, what is happening? <laughs> no, it's just like, uh, as far as like how they can go out and do these things, I think like that category of person is just born without any sense of shame. Yeah. Any sense of pride. Like any, all of those like ego-driven emotions, they're just gone. Like, yeah. gone entirely. So uh, yeah. a person who has pride in themselves, who has self-respect, they can't do that. Yeah, I yeah I don't know with Eric. I mean, he's there's this one. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about Eric Andre, <laughs> but pranks, pranks yeah. are. He was I was I was a big fan of Jackass growing up. Yeah. There's one where they like threw these like like balls. They had this like jet, and they would throw balls into this jet, and it would like blow up, blow at people, and then they would try to catch him, and uh, it was it, very funny. But have you seen the one where? Um, they set up this like prank porta potty. Oh, they like yeah. um, outfit it uh, so like uh, when they exit the porta potty, they are like entering a meeting, and they're just oh. like confused, like yeah, oh, ah, you know, what, what's going on? <laughs> How did I get into this meeting room? And the guys in the meeting, they're just they're like, all just what staring. It's like us here? at this table. They're all exactly. just like, <laughs> like why why are you here, bro? You know, you're you're really interrupting us. <laughs> and they're just confused. <laughs> Everybody's confused. Uh, that one, I, I like that one. That That's like, because it's like, you know, fun and harmless. Yeah, yeah. Most, fun and harmless, I think, is the best type of prank. Mm-hmm. And that's... Not most of Jackass. Not most of Jackass. <laughs> not most of Jackass. But Jackass, pranks. 
Uh, Cooper, what are, what are we at right now? As far as timing goes, mm-hmm. we're about hour 15 in. Okay. Um, do you have a money moves for today? I do. It's kind of, well, it's, okay, I so suppose you could really call it money moves. Money moves is our segment where we kind of have a current event. Uh, we'll talk about something that's uh, happening in the world, whether it be media, money, okay. blah, blah, just like, and we'll get our own opinions on it. Great. So I've been hearing a lot uh, in the media, and you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, them quitting their jobs, and they, they dub it the great resignation. Mm-hmm. Is everyone quitting their jobs either because they can't take it anymore, the pay is not good enough, their manager is an asshole, but my my segment was kind of going to be on strikes, uni, uni, unionization, and the great resignation as a whole. So I don't know if you guys have heard in the news, there's been a couple like big firings. There's mm-hmm. the Kellogg's one where they let go 1,400 employees Holy who were, shit. they were trying to negotiate uh, better wages. Mm-hmm. They asked for something like a, a 6% increase or whatever it was in, in wages. And Kellogg's pretty much just said, screw off. You can get three a 3% raise or nothing. Mm. So the, the Kellogg's union, or these workers, obviously, did, they didn't accept it. They're mm. not going to take that. So Kellogg's fired 1,400 wow. workers. And wow. they're... They're currently trying to just hire a bunch of temporary people. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one, and this was in the media, was Better.com uh, fired 900 employees over mm-hmm. a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. So that over was, a Zoom meeting? Yeah. That's, like, the, that's like breaking up with someone over text. That is fucking it's, And it goes, oh something, it goes something like this. It's like uh, the CEO, he's, he enters the Zoom call and he's like, I'm sorry to say, for those of you who have entered in, you're the uh, unlucky and unfortunate ones who are going to be let go. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you like, how do you even respond to that? And like, is that worse <laughs> than being broken up with through text? Yes. Yes. There's this guy at the one point. He was like, "Yeah, this is a very hard decision. Um, I've had to make a decision similar to this, and I and I cried." When I made that decision, I'm like, sure he cried. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna make them feel a lot better that you fired them. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. But no, it's like fuck off, bro. I don't care if you cry. You're fired. I think it's way worse than getting broken up with uh, over text. Yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah. I think. Mm. But so there's been those big firings, which are big in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, on on a better note, uh, it seems like Starbucks was moving towards unionization. Um, so basically, it's like all these people have been quitting their jobs and they're looking for better jobs, better pay. Mm-hmm. Um, people with, you know, in these jobs like Kellogg's, they're looking for better pay, but they don't necessarily want to have that insecurity of quitting their job to search for better pay. So, you know, some people are in tougher positions and they don't have options to quit their job. <clears throat> so. I don't know where to go from here, but so how I'm do you guys? Some, I'm gonna say something like straight up that's like mad controversial and say this: um, if you're quitting your jobs because your working conditions suck, uh, yeah, that's bad. But also, um, don't be a bitch because <laughs> honestly, these jobs are these are like 
the bottom of the tier jobs, you know, like you get these jobs when like you're in high school um, or you're in college, you're working for a little bit, trying to like, you know, pay rent for uh, in between. living a situation. Hey, let me, let me finish. Let me, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish the statement. Um, uh, you know, this is, these are typically what those jobs are meant for. Mm-hmm. The assumption, in my opinion, is that you eventually like level up and move on to something bigger and better whatever that might be. And I feel like a lot of the people that are like fighting these issues are like just saying like, hey, this isn't enough, you know, like I need to survive. And I understand, you know, that like it is really unfortunate, but at the same time, I really feel like you shouldn't be a 40 year old man still working at Starbucks, still working like this like very like bottom, like middle job. You know, you, at a certain point, you have to like take some accountability for yourself and um, want more moving on into something else uh, or just like building something in the background for yourself that you can move into um, that isn't your minimum wage job. You know, the, the reason why they pay these minimum wage for these jobs is because they're very low skill jobs. Anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, they should treat their employees better, but uh, should they pay them more for like less skilled jobs? Um, I don't think so, just because if, uh, if you keep, like, increasing minimum wage for, like, little things like this, this is a big attribution to our, um, uh, shoot, what is it called? Inflation. Our inflation rate's going up. Um, I don't know. What? I don't know. I'm a little bit... Oh, the painting? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I'm a little bit more towards uh-huh. paying the workers more. I don't care, like, if you're in high school or, you know, you've been working <coughs> the same job mm-hmm. at McDonald's for 40 years. I think who cares if it's, quote-unquote, skilled or unskilled. They're still providing, like, what could be considered an essential service because, like, you're hungry. Like, well, you've how got the drunk munchies really and you want to uh, go to McDonald's. At McDonald's, they're already working on implementation of, like, Fully autonomous restaurants it's where really you can. It's really fucking essential, dude. Like, the people saying that are the same people that bitch at like the, the restaurant, like mm-hmm. the fucking servers at the restaurant when like they don't get their food within two minutes. Well, think, when, when, no, 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 the, the difference. Be- no, no, listen, listen. Minutes? The difference between no. restaurant quality, actual restaurant, and fast food. That's like those are two entirely different things to me. I think. I think there's two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of nobility in working those jobs. Yeah, no, a ton of nobility, and a ton of you should be those people for the jobs. That and maybe they are in tough times. Maybe yeah. they've maybe they've tried to get out of. Maybe they don't like working at McDonald's. They, they mm-hmm. may not like working at McDonald's, but mm-hmm. they're trying to get out. They're trying to make a life for themselves and their family. That's what everybody's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But life happens, and things don't happen the way that maybe you want. And maybe they want more pay because. They can't pay rent, and they're telling they're telling McDonald's CEO like, "Hey, we need more rent, and or we can't. I can't pay for my rent and my or my kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go to somewhere else that well, I will try to get more pay. And um, even though it's low skilled, doesn't mean that it's not mm-hmm. valuable. Yeah, um, I think we should get rid of that idea of low skill is inherently means less it, value. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a ton I'm, of I'm on that train. There's sure. you could be so skilled at what you do, 
but it, it doesn't give any value to anybody else. I could be so skilled at throwing post-it notes across the room. Does that provide any value to anybody? Mm -hmm. No. But if I'm making, if I'm very good at getting people together and eating food or giving food to people, that's very valuable. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's my, fast food or anything. My favorite example is like how like, you know, the farmers aren't millionaires in this country. You that's, know? I hate that. Like, <laughs> what? Well, I just keep going, keep going. No, it's, it's like, you know, that's, that's the most like, essential thing mm -hmm. for humans mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have to eat mm -hmm. like there is no way you will survive without eating and like farmers are just looked down upon like you know oh yeah they're just stupid people that like you know they didn't know how to work crop till the land yeah yeah i think yeah and, like is that the general consensus i think a lot of people like Especially with the fact that, like, you know, the hick American is like a, uh -huh. a fucking stereotype. Looked down upon yeah. from mm -hmm. the city folk perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it is it is a thing. 100%. Well, I feel like that's a super like, ignorant point of view like there we, because... We studied in North Dakota, so, like, uh, we kind of know what the fuck's going on. But, like, yeah. I don't think a lot of city people actually, like, you know, care. Mm -hmm. That, that's that's mm -hmm. a super ignorant point of view just because like these farmers these people that run these farms nationwide are the reason why you know we have anything at our supermarkets any products that we consume any like you know um, uh, any refined good that we have came from some farm that someone worked on that someone harvested like that that's like like you said one of the most um, essential. Um, and like e even even when you're going to college, like you know, mm -hmm. if someone said like they were studying like ag, mm -hmm. like you were kind of like oh oh yeah, you just farm, dude. Ag is so fucking interesting. Mm -hmm. Like if you actually look into it, like there is so much engineering and science that goes into that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like if if you look at a combine and like just look at all the settings. Like you, you can walk into a combine and you will not understand a single thing. In mm -hmm. it. it it is so I, fucking specific <clears throat> and so interesting. Like it, it's fucking crazy, dude. Mm -hmm. I think uh, with like with like um, we take a look at like what we need as humans. Yeah. Like housing, food, water. Uh, I mean, those are some of the basic things. And yep. Um, when we look at farmers, they're so essential. Like, there's so much, so much nobility and so much, like, I had to, I've definitely fell under that yeah. in my past where I looked down upon them. And that's 100%. I've, I've tried to grow out of that. And I'm definitely getting to that point. But we look at people who are the richest in this, war, in this mm -hmm. nation, and it's the people who own the land or who own real estate. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. those are the richest people because that it's an inherent need we have yeah. is we need shelter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they exploit that by just pushing up prices. Yeah. But the people who are the farmers, they don't have that power because there's so much there's so many farmers in this country that it's it's, it's just mm -hmm. a competitive market. Yeah. With real estate, it's not as competitive, so they can just drive up drive up prices. If everybody owned land, 
it would be less. Well, I think it's the the competitiveness of um, real estate that does make it. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think like the fact that people want to live in certain locations mm-hmm. makes it drives like, up the price. Drives up the price. Whereas like sure, it kind of exists in food as well. Mm-hmm. Where like you know, fucking uh, tuna, like high grade tuna, is going to be more expensive because mm-hmm. like you know there's a niche that wants it, but like a lot of people can't afford it. Sure. But, like, everybody needs food. It doesn't matter who mm-hmm. you are. You can mm-hmm. be in fucking, like, in the middle of nowhere, but you will still need food to survive. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you don't need a luxury apartment in the middle of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can make do with, like, you know, just, like, a shitty motel, like, what, what was the original question? So to harken back to the <laughs> I think, thing. Well, we were talking uh, about strikes, unions, and the great uh, resignation. I'm going to make another were. statement really quick of just um, to, to harken back to our main thing of like um, uh, our battle of um, high, um, high skill and low skill um, jobs. Mm-hmm. We, we, we just talked about how the, the, necessi- the necessity of farmers was. I cannot live without a farmer that produces something for me. Mm-hmm. As far as fast food or a restaurant goes, I can survive without that. But that is not to say um, that these jobs are without value or without um, purpose. Yeah, for sure. But um, the reason why I like I go back and I, you know it's it's not a. Uh, a heartless, like, you know, ah, I don't care about these people, like, type situation. It's just, um, I really do believe there has to be a certain amount of accountability in the individual mm-hmm. um, to go for something more. And, like, I know I know that's, like, of course, and obviously, like, easier said than done. But... Well, is there... The thing is, is, uh-huh. there, is there opportunity for everyone to go for more? If everyone mm-hmm. went for more, we wouldn't have any people in, like, these, I quote-unquote, lo- uh-huh. like, low-skill jobs. I also uh-huh. want get, to get away from saying low-skill jobs because, like, it's still valuable. But, like... Mm-hmm. Yes. If, if everyone were to move up, mm-hmm. we'd have to have the automated restaurants, sure. like Arpon was saying. Well, mm-hmm. my point is there's there's stages to all of this, I feel like. Like, you, you can't have everything, you know? Like, the, uh, the biggest thing that I hear people say is, like, you know, everybody, uh, like, w- what you said exactly, like, what, what, what did you say again? Hold well, on. Like, I, I is want there opportunity for everyone to move up? Yeah, is there opportunity for everybody to move up, like? There isn't, and that's yeah. the thing that makes things interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what creates the divide between, like, the rich and poor. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the end of the day, like, that, it's it's extremely capitalist. And, like, it, it is, I, I, I personally believe it is very human. Like, you know, just seeing rich people and being like, damn, I want to sure. be like that. For sure. Yeah. And, like, some people have the drive to, like, just fucking go do it. And some people uh, don't. Some people are under, like, extraneous circumstances mm-hmm. where they cannot. Yeah. I think I think we also have to take into account the luck that people face. Mm-hmm. Dude, luck is... Luck is huge. Luck is massive. Luck is big, but it's also, going to your point of 
people moving up, like let's say the McDonald's or the farmers, like, all right, uh, I want to go up. And I was at a, I was at a corporate event the other week, and boy, did I hate it. It was a lot of just fucking ego sucking, and it was a lot of dick sucking. Just mm-hmm. like I do this, I'm a marketing officer. I I'm here's the, my title, vice president. Here's this. Bag, uh, like, this is what I do. And I looked at it. It's all of these jobs were so like useless. Not like not like they were useless, but like yeah. they were transparent. Less valuable yeah. than other jobs that are way less. They're the pay way mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. And they get paid for what? They're like what, I'm an email is, coordinator. Or I'm the like. yeah. I'm the marketing <laughs> officer who is in charge of. And then it's like, all right, what do you do? And then it's like, oh, I email people. I'm so it's in charge to interject of, there really quickly. That's that's another really major thing with uh, the wage gap, which is uh, like we were saying, um, value what these people are doing. You know, they're not all mm-hmm. equivalent. Yet some people are being paid more, being paid less. Sure. And the really unfortunate thing of it all, and I don't have the answer to it, is just nothing is fair. And we currently don't have a system to um, balance out the weights, uh, for yeah. lack of better words. I think if we had the answer, it would be here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, we can, like, we can, like, sit here and, like, talk about it and argue about it. And, like, you know, we... We'll obviously learn things, but mm-hmm. will we, at the end of our conversation, have the answer to resolve mm-hmm. these problems? No. Well, but I think I the think... answer depends on who you are and what your values are, too. Yeah, yeah values. That, that's the thing, though. The answer depends on the individual person. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot generalize an individual person's answer onto a general populace. Mm-hmm. Like. The second you start doing that, that's when you get your fucking like you know, uh, dystopian civilization mm-hmm. like movies and like books and shit like that. Like, it it just doesn't work. Like there is no perfect. I yeah, I think just the problem that I can see happening is in the future, ten years from now, mm-hmm. it the problem will just be so bad that something will happen. Mm-hmm. And like we could talk about it, but then it's gonna get to the point uh, where the pe- the richest people will just they'll just have everything, yeah. And the, all the other people just don't have anything. And it's like, what are you doing with that? With that valuable the 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 commodity, yeah, of, of money, of, of resources, of but land. Yeah, of, that's that's the story of humanity, uh, though. That that's what makes us interesting. Like that happens. A couple bit like uh-huh. a couple hundred people die, a couple thousand people die, and like then things kind of fix themselves for like well, a couple okay, thousand. Okay. Yeah, so it's just, <laughs> no, like, dying. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Our, our point is like, people you know, are gonna you're die. going to kill the bourgeoisie. Uh, oh, we're talking French Revolution. Oh, we're talking revolution. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, because that, that's, that's a, that's a real thing. Fix itself. Um, uh, but um, building off of what you said. That is a very big and a very real thing, you know. Mm. There, there, because we we've seen it. We've like you know lived through it with uh, George Floyd being like the biggest example of just like, well, like uh, public unrest. The you know, examples that I was upset and like, with George Floyd is a really good example because nobody gave a shit until uh, the riots happened. Exactly. Oh yeah. Nobody gave a shit until like you know exactly 
fucking building. Things happened. Yeah. Things that you care about are like, yeah. oh, that's you need uh, to destroy shit to make things happen. Yeah, and that's, that's a whole nother whole nother thing. Well, but, next episode. It's, it's <laughs> a it's a it's a distress thing. You know, for sure, people can. The general populace can only withstand so much, like, um, so much injustice, so much distress, so much just pain mm-hmm. before something has to happen. With, yeah, like you mentioned, the wage gap. The wage gap literally consistently continues to increase and increase. You know, we see just um, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And nothing, no, the, the poor have no power to actually make any changes based on um, our current government system. Because uh, I'll make a very big example of lobbying. Um, mm-hmm. The more money you have, the more lobbying power you have. The more lobbying power you have, the more you can control literally anything you want. Um, and if you're just like the average like plebeian, you know, you make like $30,000, $40,000, you know, just trying to like get by, do what you can and live. You can't make any change you in your think average plebeian is thirty, forty thousand dollars. Dude, the average household salary of the United States is oh. twenty four thousand. How is that average? Yeah. Mm. What? It's fucking I... crazy. Well, yeah. even go- goes to show you of like the the thirty, like me saying like thirty, forty is still the low, and if the the average is like twenty four, that's even worse. It's just like there's. Mm. There's so little power for the average person to make a change. And uh-huh. expounding on that, that's a household salary. That's uh-huh. two people making it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. That sounds like mm, not a lot. That I'm doesn't also sound kind right. Of drunk, so I might be like fucking up. That Bro, you had like. We'll see. We'll two. see. The, well, well, no, we'll no, no, no. I think we'll check. Whatever it is. Our phone actually it's does not, have a point because. I think we we have a kind of a skewed perspective because we live in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, where we actually have like some We're of like literally the highest. Filming in Eden Prairie, the average salary in Eden Prairie is eighty k. That's average. And as I was saying, Minnesota, Minneapolis specifically, has one of the highest costs of living in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so like our our averages are skewed based off of like what sure. else, you know what we see elsewhere I said- in the country. Just to go back to what uh-huh. you were saying earlier, on um, you said yeah. that people should, obviously, I, I think that people should try to always improve their mm-hmm. position, improve themselves mm-hmm. in whatever capacity it is, in their personal life or mm-hmm. their social life or their financial freedom. Yeah. But let's say a farmer is like, he thinks about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I should improve my financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Let's say I go and be a salesperson at this company. Who is going to take up his position? It's a matter of, I think when I look at it is these the, the, the bottom tier of jobs mm-hmm. of low paying mm-hmm. that are uh, comprise a large percentage of the workforce yeah. are very inherently, in my opinion, the most valuable. Yeah. The most, most valuable you make food, you. Uh, well, I would say I would say this: the service industry is the most valuable. Um, service, sure, yeah, yeah. I think it comprises eighty percent of the of the entire U.S. Exactly. economy. The whole workforce, eighty yeah. percent, yeah, and then twenty percent is exactly. making goods. 
because we require these services in order to like run most of the operations that we see in our country. Yeah, forestry, agriculture, these things that are inherently very valuable to the function of the United States. Yeah. But as you move up, I view it as you get less and less valuable. As uh, so I I don't think that's necessarily true just because when when we go there's a if the ladder is supposed to work the way it should, mm-hmm. um, when you go higher, you are now, um, and this is, this might be a bad example, but you're, you're you're like one step higher on the pyramid. You are helping manage the the um, uh, I, I don't want to say like lower level, but like you are you are you're now, directly like you're causing managing. outcomes yeah, yeah. that exactly. increase managing. value. Exactly, you're but, you're ma- helping manage the system. Mm-hmm. And how much? more value are you bringing that's that's the question uh-huh. i'm i i do i think there is like actually i do uh, agree i do agree that uh, there is more value i think once you hit a certain point then the um, the net gain is like definitely lost. let's say your manager your manager at starbucks you work uh-huh. at starbucks your manager is let's say he gets paid he gets paid sixty thousand a year yeah the average starbucks employee gets thirty thousand a year yeah. let's say do you think the manager works twice as hard as you or produces twice as much as you. No. That's the question. Well, oh, okay, but that, he does a he does a job that not I every employee interject. will do. Exactly. So you've got to take uh-huh. it all all into account. Yeah. Is all of that worth mm-hmm. twice as much? Yeah. And then the CEO or or the person above him, mm-hmm. the person above him, mm-hmm. are they? Is it an exponential thing or is it a linear thing? How are we looking at this? I think it's linear. Yeah, so it's definitely not linear. It's not it sh- linear. It in, should be linear. It could, you know, that might be better, but it's as far not. as like value gained. I think it's definitely linear because at a certain point, no matter how much uh, higher you go, you know, the CEO above the CEO above the CEO, the CEO is they're like they're you're not really doing much to like build anything higher. You 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 own as few um you know certain properties and investments that help, you know... Obviously, you're very valuable to the company, a CEO. Very valuable. Mm, And there's one person that can do that job. But is it more valuable than... Is it 1,600 times more valuable than the average Starbucks? Exactly. Exactly. Which is why I say it's linear. Like, you're not... So that's a problem that we can all agree on, and that's that step, the ladder. Uh, But how do we fix that problem? And there's there's options out there, and there's things that we can try, but... Well, in my in my personal opinion, I think there's really there's really no saving us right now. Really, all that has to happen, like Arpon mentioned, we kind of have to just like destroy the establishment that we currently have. And this might like be a very like radical and Anarchy. unrealistic like you know point of view, but I just I don't think it's possible for the current system that we have to fix itself because sure. we've had the system for like literal hundreds of years. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think the f- system is the issue. I think uh, it's humans that are the issue. Like well, those humans built the system. Even if humans fix the system, mm. it will be favoring the people that fix the system. Mm. It will go back to the same system. It will just be the people who fix the system are yeah. now on the top. Well, that and then in that case, we the French Revolution. Well, then we literally just get stuck in a like a case of like you know ah majority here, majority over here, and it just flips flops like eternally. Yes. Like yes. that is literally just human existence. Mm. How do you guys feel about the Great Resignation? 
<laughs> I love seeing. I love seeing Honestly, stuff online. I love it. Yeah. You love the great information. I love it. Great. Because that mm. actually brings more power to the worker. Mm. Okay. Because people are fucking quitting their jobs. That means I have more say as to what the mm -hmm. fuck I want to do for my yeah. hours. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, did some worker at my job just quit? I can be like, okay, yeah. Uh, I am the worker that you have. Mm -hmm. you have Gives more you more power. power. Gives you more power. Yeah. I'm going to work whenever I want to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you have an issue with that, try hiring someone else mm -hmm. for the wage that you're yeah. fucking paying. You know? Yeah. The demand yeah. is... Yeah, this, uh, the money that they're giving is now uh, people don't want it. Mm -hmm. And you have to increase the wage. Yeah, you, you have to set a standard for yourself if you want something to change. You know, so people like quitting on mass because, you know, they realize, um, you know, this is this is not what I want. This is not um, the standard that I want to build sure. for myself and my uh, community of workers. Uh, and the only reason the only way to show a corporation or whatever company that we're worth more is to say, hey, fuck you. Um, we're going to dip. Uh Go ahead and find some other people to do it. We'll see how that works for the Kellogg's guys. I gals. think I think the Starbucks thing is so it's a lucky situation mm -hmm. where they look at Kellogg. You look at better.com. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, that looks so bad. Better.com is so bad. Mm -hmm. And Kellogg is like, we look down upon them now. I don't I don't really want to buy their cereal. I don't now. want to either. <laughs> and so now Starbucks is this perfect opportunity. I don't think they would have unionized without those exact things happening. Mm -hmm. Now it's a better PR thing, like mm -hmm. Starbucks unionized. Wow, look at them. That's mm -hmm. great. Kellogg, fuck them. Uh, Better.com, fuck them. Starbucks, mm -hmm. though, I'm going to go get a coffee tomorrow because they unionized. I got some coffee today. Exactly. So, so let, let, let's talk about something on like the a, a, a bit of a grander scale. Before, before we talk about something, I just want to fix my issue of my error real quick. Issue. Uh -huh. uh, the median household income... Uh, as reported of 2020, is 67.521 dollars. A little higher. Yes, a lot higher. <laughs> a little higher. I was very Other wrong. than 25. Yeah. But again, that's the median. Median. The mean is $40,000. Mm. Wow. So the, it's much more skewed. Yes. Yeah. Because like median is you're going to the center, mm -hmm. whereas mean is like the actual the average. average. Uh, and that that's household income. Sure. And the average household income in uh, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, is a hundred and eleven thousand nine hundred eighty-one dollars. Wow. Mm -hmm. It gets yeah, it gets concentrated yes. with where you go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think with the Great Resignation, I think people are realizing like either I think it's a perfect circumstance of mm -hmm. like COVID happened and. I get to realize, like, oh, this is what I want to do, mm -hmm. and I wanna, I wanna be in the park service, so I'm yeah. gonna quit this job and go there. Yeah. And realize, like, it was a being in the pandemic. It's like, oh, I don't like this job. Like, this job sucks. I don't yeah. like being inside. I want to quit. And also, mm -hmm. it also helps that the financial part is there, and so then people are quitting and trying to find something that they actually like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which harkens back and, to like my point of like accountability, simpler. like. I really do feel like at a certain point you have to like take accountability for what you want and like 
I sure. know it's hard, but you don't know unless you keep going. And like it, it, in your example, the pandemic showed a lot of people that, you know, hey, stuck at home or uh, working conditions are terrible. Uh, my employer is treating me terribly. I might die if I go to work, but they don't care and they're not going to pay me more. Uh, like I think a lot of lessons were taught that just at the like the the higher end, like these like corporations, they do not care about their employees. But but I do have to say this. Uh-huh. This is us talking about like you know, this is all of us coming from like middle income families mm-hmm. who, who like you know if we fuck up we're in our 20s we have somewhere to go back to mm-hmm. like there are people that like just they don't have a second from, chance right? yeah they, they come from exactly. an age where it was you go to school you get a job you work that job for the rest of your life mm-hmm. it's and a whole different mindset mentality. it's a whole different mindset and like it's it's also that mentality of like hey i'm not a pussy i'm not gonna give up this job because Mm -hmm. like you know if i give up this job like what what else am i gonna do like i've spent so much time honing my craft yeah i think i think there is also you don't always have to be looking for that next yeah financial thing there is a big mentality shift as well Mm -hmm. and like i think that is like very discounted uh, when like you know people of like people like us as far as like varying perspective of the same perspective talk about this Mm -hmm. you know yeah i'm all for i'm all for improving yourself as a person consistently Mm -hmm. uh, finding new things that you love um going to classes that you just expanding yourself mm-hmm. um, but with financial freedom or financial stuff. Mm-hmm. If you've got that stable job, if you've got that job that yeah. consistently brings you in money and you are very confident in your ability of doing the same thing every day. And maybe it's not like you're not rising up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, again, I think there's a lot of nobility in that. And I think if you are trying to improve your social relationships, your community, um, and you're just good at, the, the your job and you're paying rent you're being able you're providing for your family mm-hmm. i think there's a great uh again nobility in that and yeah. uh pride you should take pride in that so i'm i'm really glad you said that and you mentioned uh the bit of um financial freedom sure um because i think that bolsters my point a bit more um as far as just taking things into your own hands i don't think you can truly achieve financial freedom without taking certain things into your own hands. And I think Mm -hmm. um, because of um, like the current generation we live in, just like of we we've seen like young people doing of like investments, um, just putting your money somewhere where it can grow, whatever that might be, just doing different things to diversify yourself. That way you don't have to solely rely on a paycheck that you might be getting from your job. Sure. Um, and in that case, um, it it widens the, the or excuse me, it um, levels the playing field a bit more. Um, just because um, when when I say when I say like um, moving on or like leveling up, that doesn't always necessarily mean like a new job, but um, 
giving yourself options. Sure. And I think um, this uh, this like current era we live over, like you know, like just uh, different means of investing and like putting your money somewhere, gives that average person um, more fighting power to live a happy life that they're okay with. Yeah, but uh, with investing, it's always uh, it's a lot of luck mm-hmm. involved. Actually, it's, of, well, it's just I, gambling, I think. In a, it's a it's a it's a more it's a more secure way of gambling. It's an information right? thing. Any really. any investment is a secure way of gambling, uh, right? I I think it's it's a little I, bit the more, more complicated secure. than no, that. No, I I will I will agree with that. Like uh, investments are literally just gambling with better probability. Yes, any mm-hmm. gain that you uh, the bigger gain, mm-hmm. the bigger the risk. The less gain, yeah. if you keep your mo- if you keep your money in the savings account. It's gonna grow nothing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. m- the most safe because that money's going nowhere. It's the mattress fund. It's literally just gonna stay there mm-hmm. unless something and somebody steals it. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, the, at this point, even if you put it in a savings account, it's not gonna grow because mm-hmm. the yeah, average doesn't like, really grow. Inflation is like what is it like four percent? More six. Right now yeah. it's six. And uh, like you get paid one percent. It's, it's like, like one highest. to two. One to two percent. Two is like you're getting fucking lucky with whatever the fuck bank you're yeah, banking Yeah, I, I think just the investing thing. It everybody's. It's a. It's an equal shift. It's not like. Yeah, like I said, it like it levels. It can't. Yeah, field. it can. Um, it, yes, you are right as far as it, it is very like luck based, but, um. But like it's so human that I fucking love it. You gotta <laughs> risk everything to gain everything, you know? Yeah, and sometimes it's uh, a little like, costly, too costly. There's there's a reason why I really fucking love browsing through like Wall Street bets. It's people <laughs> just being humans, like just yeah. purely fucking human. You and know? The, oh. yeah, the problem then I see. Yeah. is when people view investments. Let's say you view yeah. real estate as an investment, uh-huh. which is a very, actually a very, very smart investment. You buy real estate, very expensive. Yeah. And then let's say you sell it or you rent it to somebody. Mm-hmm. You then overinflate that price or you you get money. You want to make money, but everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. And then that creates a level of... I, I don't think, uh, like, I don't think there is a way to overinflate inflate price in real estate. I think the general public overinflates that price because everybody wants to move there. Sure. Yeah. But then the landlords also want like to it's, it's make not something as much patented. money as possible. It's not something that's like, you know, like I have control over everything that you do here. Mm-hmm. You don't. If people don't want to live there, you're fucking shit out of luck, mm-hmm. buddy. I think, it's a yeah. want-based thing. I think wages are, di- well, wages are directly correlated with the expense of where you live. If you live in Montana, North Dakota, Mm -hmm. the wages are going to be less because it's just less to live there. there, In Minneapolis, the, the, the lower skilled jobs are going to be, they're going to pay you more than out in the same exact job out in Montana, Mm -hmm. just because it's more expensive. Uh, But we've, I don't know with these investments in real estate, Mm -hmm. it's just, exploiting uh, things that people rely on mm-hmm. for just living yeah. or food 
Um, and look, you, you're you're 100 right about that. And uh, the very unfortunate about thing about that is capitalism. Yeah, um, it's just part, of, it's of, part it, of the system. A lot of it just comes down it's to capitalism, capitalism at the time. Greed. Hey, greed, greed is capitalism. <laughs> No, no, no. Look at a fucking venture greed, capitalist, bro. Greed like, is like the pure form. Yeah. But no, like, it, I, I think a lot of it just comes down to capitalism at the end of the day, which is, you know, almost entirely greed based. Uh, you know, because Dude, capitalism I, is taking advantage of a situation in order to. Exploitation. Exactly. Yeah. You're exploiting something in order to better yourself and get yourself a higher position. Dude, like, it's, it's crazy. Mm. All like, of our conservative viewers have tuned out by now. Yeah. <laughs> If there are, no, if there ever were any, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> okay. And, and, okay, and I, I think like all of our arguments, like as of this point, are they're they're valid, but like they're all moots to the the value of capitalism. There's a lot of nuance that we're talking about. Let, There's no let right. Me, wrong. Let me tell uh, you a simple story. Oh sure, simple, a very story. naive story. Uh, right? Like, what are we at? This was probably two hours now. <laughs> yeah, we got to wrap up here. This was years. Make, ago. make this the last one. Yeah. This was years ago, right? And like. Uh, I studied like most of middle, like, most of elementary and like half of middle school in India, and in India you have this class called moral studies, where you 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 read books, like you read certain passages, and you find the moral in it, you know, and um, we read this passage. I don't even remember what the passage was, but like it was about greed. And like how greed is like this bad thing and like but everybody has it it's it's a human flaw like you can't fix it but you should be aware of it right and um the teacher was like okay so um who here has greed and like everybody raises their hand and like i don't and i'm like and like she looks at me and like, what are you doing like do you not have greed like do, are you not greedy of anything like and I'm like yeah everything is just like you know it's life like just just live it like yeah sounded like, like you were greedy for attention oh, oh. <laughs> oh. continue continue know, but like it, it was such a fucking naive thing like what I, do you mean I look back to that and I'm like what the fuck was that kid thinking like <laughs> I want everything dude mm -hmm. Like, I want to rule the world. So do you think you just didn't understand the question? I don't think I had enough life to understand, to the, understand question. the question. I see. I see. That, that like makes it sense. Was, it was literally the purest answer I gave. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a yeah. demon. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I just want to touch on one thing. Sure. Um, there was, well, when I completed college. Yeah. It was very, it was like a great thing. It's uh, just like going to college, going through the steps of that. And then I, I did a bike ride this summer and I completed that. And then it was like, oh, that's amazing. And I put off finding a job until after I got back from my bike ride. And I got back on middle of August. And it was difficult to find work. It's not like I wasn't trying. It's not like I wasn't skilled, I don't believe. There's just a lot of things that happened. And uh, I got this job at the Centro, which is not like my main place. I got a job at, Star oh, I have an interview tomorrow at Starbucks. And that's not my main, my end goal. 
but I don't, the problem I have is there's this person who went to my college, Sam, who I, or there's, a, there's people like Sam. Let's take Sam as an example. He graduated and he got this job with the U.S. Department of Defense. And he's like, he's well-paid. He lives in St. Louis, but I don't know what the fuck he does. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, you get paid a lot of money and your job sounds awesome. Like, it sounds like a fucking, it's an ego fucking trip. Mm-hmm. And that's how I viewed a lot of some of my work in the past. Like, I'm working to be the photographer of blank, of University of Florida, which I was trying for. And that's a very big ego thing yeah. and can be a big like the name titles. boost the title the it's like oh, I want to tell people I want to tell you like oh, I just got the job at University of Florida I don't want to be sitting here and say oh I got the job at Starbucks yeah. but I'm getting my brain rewired to stop thinking of it like that and obviously I've got goals I've got goals to improve myself I've got goals to improve my skill sets but to view this Starbucks job is like this fucking sucks and not valuable and I'm not going to learn anything. And it's just like, I look at Sam as a comparing, like comparing myself. Mm. Can I interject really quickly? Of course. So, um, you're telling me you're, you're trying to rewire yourself as far as titles go. Um, yeah. Can be. And like titles are cool and all. Of course. But, I feel like they're entirely irrelevant unless you're doing something in it. Cause uh, you can uh, okay. Here, here's a really great example. Um, Drake is an executive producer on Euphoria. Do you know that TV show? Oh yeah, uh, love that show. Really? Yes, he is an executive producer on that TV show, but he does. Absolutely nothing. I've literally like looked into it. I've like Googled, what does Drake do as an executive producer for Euphoria? No one can say anything. Uh, there have been like actors like who have been like asked about it said, um, oh, hey. Uh, yeah, he shows up sometimes and say, says hi, and then he leaves. Mm. Um, he has a title, but he doesn't fucking do anything. I think it's like the like what you make of it. I think Kanye put it best, best right? Like, what? you know. Oh, like, the Lady I, Gaga I, I thing. I really like Lady Gaga music. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what the fuck does she know about pictures? Like, yeah. Yeah, about how is she yeah. the creative director of Polaroid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, my major point is, like, the title is irrelevant. I'd rather, like, show someone or tell someone about, like, this really fucking cool thing that I did and, yeah. like, the nuance in it. Like, the title I had doing it is, just, like, fucking irrelevant to me. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, like graduating from the U of M when I yeah. was in freshman, when I was a freshman in early years, I was like, oh, I'm proud to go here. This is a nice school. And then when you graduate, it's like you enter the real world and mm-hmm. it doesn't prepare you for yeah. what happens and the things happen. From you graduate and life happens mm-hmm. and I don't get the University of Florida job. Maybe there's somebody who is more talented. I don't know. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it, it just happens <laughs> and I've got to go well, with the flow. Can I ask you something? Of course. What if you did something? Um, I don't know. You 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 did um, a short documentary for uh, just like um, a small like uh, nonprofit in uh-huh. Minnesota. Sure. You know, I I don't know what the documentary is about, but you put your like heart into it. You like did like you know these like really like you know impactful interviews. You just 
you did something that you legitimately thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say in another world, you got the, the job in Florida. Um, and sorry, it was Florida, correct? Yes, Florida. Um, and you know, you're, you're taking like, uh, you're taking photos. You're like, you know, doing what you wanted to do there. Um, what is like, what's basically, what is making the most of it for you? You the know, thing like, for me is providing value for others and uh, serving others. But the problem is, is I've learned that I have to pay bills uh-huh. and I have to pay student loans yeah. and I've got to pay a car. Yeah. I've got to pay for my home and there's adult shit that's happening and yeah. I've got to, I've got to do these things and mm-hmm. recording videos for nonprofits. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. Does it pay the bills? No, yeah. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I got this interview for this nonprofit full time. Yeah. And it paid three hundred a month. It was an internship. God damn, three hundred a month. Jesus it was like, oh, Christ. this is gonna be amazing. Uh-huh. Great experience. It's an internship. It says internship. Yeah. Okay. Full time. Yeah. Or I could be making a lot more money on Starbucks. Yeah. Come on. And I could be making a lot more money at Starbucks, but mm-hmm. it's the balancing act of mm-hmm. obviously I want to provide the most value uh, <laughs> for others. Yeah. That's the most satisfying. I I was on a on my bike trip this summer. That was yeah. the main thing is we were on this trip and we're spreading awareness for cancer and it was the most fulfilled I've ever been. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that all my life. Yeah. I've gotta I've gotta work a job that is can be menial. Mm-hmm. Or in my view, before going into it, can yeah. be menial, but is very important. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the really weird dichotomy of it because I, I, I had a chance to talk with a, um, a, an assistant director slash uh, producer on mm-hmm. uh, one of uh, a previous project that I worked on. And he was like kind of telling me of like, you know, the two types of things he has a chance to work on. He can either go and work on these like big budget action films that, you know, are like really big uh, box office hits. But, you know, they, like, have, like, very, like, little meaning. They don't, like, really do anything. You don't learn anything from them. And he also has opportunities to, you know, work on, um, uh, I, I forget what the, the film was specifically, but he, he made a film about um, a disabled person who was um, an animator, basically just, like, um, j- Japanese animation, actually. And they mm-hmm. were right, like... Animating. Wait, who is this person? Uh, you already know who it is. Who? Um, I'll Name. tell you later. Um, but Name. anyways, he he works on these things and it's meaningful. It has like a meaning to it. People can learn something from it. There's mm-hmm. like value in there. But he tells me all the time, you know, it's like hard to make the decision of like, you know, ah, you know, do I wanna do I wanna do something that like says something to people, even though it won't make a lot of money, or do I want the Big box, big box office hit that yeah. you're not gonna like literally make you know hundreds of thousand dollars from in like residuals every mm-hmm. year. So it's just it's it's like the the inner battle within yourself, like. And then the problem becomes when it's like an actual problem in your life where like oh let's say you can't pay rent. Mm-hmm. That's a bad problem. Mm-hmm. Like oh what people think oh like what value I'm providing to others like mm-hmm. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Providing for yourself, yeah. I've I've been in that mindset of providing for others. Mm-hmm. 
you got to get to the point where you like kind of got to provide for yourself. And then with like kind of commodifying, that's a problem with some of these things is like, I got to commodify whatever it is that I like. I love my, what makes me most fulfilled is providing, uh, getting relationships, Mm -hmm. social relationships, uh, learning from others, hearing from others, and just having awesome people to surround me with. But you don't, you can't commodify that really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to like think of, right? What do I, what do Mm -hmm. I sell? And that's not part of my person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like with the Florida job, there's a lot of like pride and competition in me to like, oh, I got to get this job because first it would pay the bills. And second, Mm -hmm. it would be a career move. Mm -hmm. Starbucks, not a career move. Mm -hmm. But it's not like I'm getting that job and I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) All right, throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. I have goals and I have steps, but it's okay to let go of, I need it now. It's all going back to patience. Mm -hmm. And I think we got to link that to some of these people who work these jobs right now Mm -hmm. and not be like, they need to step up right now. It's like, maybe they're in a situation where Mm -hmm. they had a job, they could have, but they don't have it and it's fine. And they're providing, and it's, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of complicated things and you got to think about them all. And the thing is, I I think that in a very like good, like point to like end on is these issues are very complex. Very complex. A lot of gray area. um, (laughs) There's no like right or wrong answer for them. It's really just, whatever works for, you know, whatever individual. Yeah, for sure. Um, these are problems that are going to take a very long time to fix. And I think really the beginning of fixing these problems is talking about them, addressing oh, for sure. the elephant in the room, you know, before we can even start to think about how to fix our country, our yep. work system, and, you know... Ourselves. Ourselves, yes, exactly. Start with ourselves. Um, you start with yourself, and then you got to help <laughs> yourself before you can help others. Talking about ending and, um, this podcast, though, uh-huh. what is your name? Parker, <laughs> oh bro. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm our Why didn't you ask that <laughs> after? Why do you ask that dirty? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, yep. so... We're having a conversation here. Please. Parker, it's been very out. lovely to speak with you. Yeah, it's been uh, great. Thank you for coming of course. on. Uh, we've had a spectacular time with you, and I hope like two and a half hours, two oh, hours. Yeah. We Ooh, probably two. We really I think you're actually the long, Absolutely you know, crushed it. You know, I think he I is think the longest. This he is, is the longest, longest episode. Let's go. Yeah. And I think we literally could have kept going for another. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. And like, that's what I really enjoy about this. We, we get a chance to like talk to interesting people, pick their brain, have nuanced conversation, mm-hmm. you know, that only we can have because, you know, we are It's just like you said, you know, you surround yourself and get mm-hmm. to meet awesome people. Uh, yeah. And that's what we do on this podcast. Exactly. So, so, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for coming of out. Of course. We appreciate it's awesome. It. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for um, having me. Anyways, this has been the Live and Learn podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you made it this long, you are amazing. Um, we will see you next week. We love you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye and good night.